Take our welcome, everyone, to the Placer County Planning Commission June, July 10th uh, Planning Commission meeting. Uh, we're going to start out with a flag salute. And Richard, are you going to lead us in that? Well, I will if you ask me. I'm asking. Okay. Well, which Richard? <laughs> oh, well, Richard. Richard, then we're joining me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, you did a good job. Thank you. Have you heard all the words? Okay, let's start out with roll call. Let's we'll see if we have enough people to do business. Commissioner Gray, absent. Commissioner Nader? Here. Commissioner Moss, absent. Commissioner Johnson? Here. Commissioner Ricucci? Here. Commissioner Denio? Here. Commissioner Sevenson? Here. Well, we have five. That's pretty good. It's better than we did last time. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a report from the planning director, EJ. Good morning, uh, E.J. Avaldi with the Planning Services Division. I am uh, also glad that we have five commissioners today. So uh, for future scheduling purposes, uh, we have an upcoming meeting on July 24th, and we're hoping to have a workshop on the winery ordinance zoning text amendment. Uh, there was talk about possibly bumping that into August, but I know there's a lot of uh, interest in getting that to the commission soon so we can get on with uh, going to all the MACs once again uh, with that ordinance. So uh, July 24th, uh, right now there will be a meeting. As far as uh, recent board action, there was a board meeting uh, with the Board of Supervisors on July 8th. Uh, at that meeting, the board approved a contract with Kaiser, Marston, and Associates to prepare an infrastructure financing plan for the West Placer and Sunset Industrial Area. Uh, that basically is uh, looking at different financing options such as uh, a district uh, that would provide funding for the construction of uh, you know regional improvements such as water and sewer transmission lines and roadway projects in that specific area of West Placer and, and the Sunset Industrial Area. As far as uh, upcoming board meetings, uh, just a reminder on July 21st and 22nd the board will be up in Tahoe. They will be receiving an update on the village at Squaw Valley uh, specific plan project and also the Tahoe community plan update. Also at that meeting, they'll be considering the appeals uh, on the Lundberg variance, uh, which your commission uh, uh, took action on. So that's all I have, unless there's any questions. EJ, uh, uh -huh. on the 24th, is the winery the only thing that we have right now so that if that gets bumped off, we wouldn't have a meeting? It, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. What, what about August uh, 14th and 28th? Are there anything on those yet? We, we do have some items on August 14th. Uh, you know, it, it would be pretty simple to put the workshop for the winery ordinance on that as well. So we have one okay. meeting. I know we've been meeting quite frequently just with, a, you know, uptick in projects. <clears throat> okay. Uh, do you know when we might be back up in Tahoe to address what uh, we did the la at the last meeting? R right now, I don't know. I know we're trying to uh, arrange for, you know, a few of the projects that need to be considered up there. Remember the North Star Mountain Master Plan is another one that right. uh, we're checking today on the status of where they're at just so we'll know when we can reschedule that meeting. Uh, but the hope is, you know, we'll get more than just one item so we can go up there and hear all of them. So I would expect that, you know, that could be, you know, late August, September sometime. Okay, great. 
Any other questions of staff? Thank you, EJ. Right, thank you. At this time, uh, we're going to open it up for public comment on anything other than items on the agenda. Is there anyone who would care to address the Planning Commission? Seeing no one coming forward, we'll nope. move on then to the item, the Sheridan Community Plan. Christopher, good morning. Good morning, Commissioners. Christopher Schmidt with the Planning Services Division. The item before you is an update of the Sheridan General Plan, now called the Sheridan Community Plan. It was tabled at your June 12th meeting for, um, for us to regroup and come back for further consideration. So we've been working on a, the community plan updates since the end of 2012. Uh, basically, the document is old, uh, doesn't reflect community priorities and community needs. It's our second oldest community plan in the, the county. It was uh, adopted in 1976. Uh, one of the recommendations is to expand the plan area boundaries. The current Sheridan general plan is pretty much the area around the town site here. We're growing to include the Sheridan MAC boundary and also 1,200 acres owned by the United Auburn Indian community. So that area in blue would be our expanded plan area boundaries, um, nearly 15,000 acres, 662 properties, a population <coughs> of nearly 1,200. So through our um, community outreach, through a survey and workshops and our subcommittee working group, this is the feedback we heard. Uh, main priority is to keep the rural areas rural retain that small town community feel, preserve open space, no land use changes outside of the town site. And the question was asked, was Sheridan interested in the fairgrounds? And the answer was a resounding no. Um, the plan before you implements the community direction about maintaining the character, um, making some changes into the town site to encourage revitalization and to expand and diversify the economic base to attract services so residents that didn't have to travel for um, basic uh, daily necessities such as gas or food. Um, key priority, protect the rural areas, and you'll see that in our proposed land use changes. No change in these, these green areas for the most part. Most of the land use changes are centered in the town site. There were some changes out here. The mitigation banks were proposing to uh, rezone to open space to, re to reflect that they're pr permanently preserved through conservation easements. And then also a 33-acre parcel at North Nader and Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard uh, rezoned from Industrial Park to Farm 20, which would be consistent with its neighboring properties. So the, the subcommittee's thinking was this wasn't an appropriate, appropriate use for the rural area. Industrial should be this area up here in the town site. So here's a summary of our total land use changes. It's about 10% of the plan area, but most of that is this open space rezoning. Uh, the MAC in May recommended adoption of the community plan. Uh, there are some changes uh, since that recommendation in May. Uh, PCTPA asked for some uh, new language to uh, reflect that they want to go after funding to provide, uh, to, to meet the unmet transit needs of the Sheridan community. So this language is going to help them uh, obtain grants or look for funding. Also, the Lincoln Overflight Lincoln Airport Overflight Zone does extend into the Sheridan Community Plan area, so they asked for some language to reflect that any development in that overflight would have to comply with their 
Placer County Airport Land Use Compatibility Plans. So we're proposing that be added to uh, the document. Uh, some language about bus services. And then our last meeting, we talked extensively about the zoning change um, at the 33-acre parcel uh, proposal from industrial park to farm. If the commission does decide to leave that as industrial park, uh, staff recommends that we add some new language to the plan to kind of boost the, the direction for future planners in the community if their property ever does get developed as industrial, some new measures to help uh, retain that rural feel of, of that area along Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard, which is very scenic as you approach the town site. So some of the new language, it's an attachment to the staff report, would deal with parking and we wouldn't want parking between any new building and Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard. It would have to be at the side or the rear structures. A loading docks at the rear, not fronting Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard and should be screened. Uh, proposing a setback 100 foot along Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard. INP zoning allows a 15 foot setback, so that would be an increased standard, kind of protect the scenic corridor <coughs> and also to set any new building back from this existing residence so it would be placed back here. And then also adding a 50 foot buffer requirement along this property line. And the, and the key requirement would be um, driveway location. We preferred off Nader Road instead of Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard. And then any new building, we want to get away from this industrial look out there. And if it does get developed as industrial, have a more agricultural look. So some new language in the plan. It kind of um, provides clearer direction to uh, planners about what the community is going to want to see on that property if indeed it stays industrial park. And that would be our recommendation to, to add that to our community design chapter. So there's, there's a series of measures we're seeking recommendations for. It's a general plan amendment to A, adopt the plan, and also to change the land use diagram of the general plan because we're growing the plan area boundaries. So that land use diagram needs to change. A zoning consistent, consistency ordinance to make those zoning changes. A zoning text amendment to uh, define live work units, which we would allow along 13th Street, and also to create a, a town center combining district, which would be new to the county but only applied to Sheridan on 13th Street, and then also um, the negative declaration prepared for the project. So our recommendation, the staff's recommendation is to rezone the 33 acre parcel of the farm, but if you do decide um, to change, to, or keep it as industrial park, we do have findings for that, and also ask that you add the PCTPA changes uh, to the document. So with that, I'll answer any questions. Any questions to Chris? Yeah, I just have a, maybe a quick question. As, uh, I think it's south of this planning area. I remember uh, that there was some kind of a, uh, I guess, an explosive plant as well as a Tykert mm -hmm. has a uh, concrete batch plant. And th those are outside this area, aren't they? There's a small corner of the Tykert property that's in the plan area. The Alpha Explosive is completely out of the plan area boundary. So it's just, just south of our plan area. Okay. So those would be probably, both those would be industrially zoned parcels? I think they retain their current agricultural zoning. I don't think oh. they were rezoned. I think the mineral extraction isn't allowed use in those districts. Okay. And so their zoning wouldn't be different than what yeah, we're, we're seeing. 
we did take we did talk to Tiger. Uh, they called and asked how does this impact the project, and the short answer was it doesn't. So we're not rezoning anything that Tiger owns that's in the plan area. Okay. And I guess explosive plant. Uh, that's probably the best place for it, out where nobody is, right? Yeah, okay. and that's outside the plan area also. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I'd just like to add a little bit to that, Richard, uh, The uh, because I'm obviously very familiar with that area. Our, our ranch is right next to it, is that from a uh, visual standpoint, you cannot see that dynamite plant. It's back in the hills. Uh, this 33 acres we're talking about is obviously as flat as flat can be, and it's very visible. So, uh, and, and it's a good thing that the dynamite plant is back, obviously way back in mm. and uh, behind some hills. Okay, so. thank you. I, somehow I remember we did a conditional use permit for that explosive plant years ago and found it consistent because of its location right. primarily, I think. <clears throat> okay, any other questions of staff? Ken? Well, the, the, the only question I have because I did, I wasn't here for the last meeting on this, but I did um, review it, and I guess my one question on the industrial parcel that you were talking about making agricultural, and now you put, if we decided to, to move forward, leaving it as is, that um, it doesn't change any of the environmental document, any, you know, any of the things. If if we I, keep the industrial zoning, there's an addendum to the NAIC deck because the, the language in the NAIC deck talks about the rezone of this parcel. So if it stays industrial, we'll ask you to add the, the errata sheet or addendum. Okay, because I... But either way, it stays in NAIC deck. It's, it's, it's not a huge increase in industrially zoned property that we require in EIR. So if I can clarify, the whichever option the commission decides to go, there's an environmental document that addresses each of those options. Uh, one just has an included errata. Okay. Okay. So we're home free, huh? Yeah. If that's the, all the questions we have for now, then thank you, Chris. Okay. <clears throat> Is anyone in the audience care to comment on this uh, to the commission? this time. If you do, please come to the microphone and, and give us your spiel, your name to start with and tell us your questions. Uh, if uh, Just a show of hands, how many people would like to comment this morning? Not many. Two. Okay. Please come forward and give us your name. And Hi, my name's Tammy Burton. Uh, I live in Sheridan. Um, I have a question regarding the tribal ground. Um, and why that is going to be um, part of a zoning district now. And if we're trying to keep the general feel of agricultural, I did, and I'm not certain of this, so you'll have, this is kind of a two-part question. Um, I guess I'm not clear if that uh, 1,100, 1,200 acres over there uh, off of Karshner was, um, you know, ever zoned to be put into 10, 20-acre parcels. Um, because that's the map that we got in the mail indicates now that it would be a 10-acre uh, minimum. And so I'm curious as to why we're going to include that in rezoning um, if, in fact, we're trying to maintain an agricultural feel to the general area. Okay. Thank you. 
Anyone else? Uh, Lee Bastion, I'm a member of the Sheridan Mac, and I just want to ask for your support for this plan to move on. Okay, that's easy. Thank you. Anyone else? Yep. Uh, I'm Joe Schmidt. I live out uh, on five acres off of Andreessen, and uh, just want to make sure that uh, now that the city's kind of jumped over my, and gone clear, clear to Karchner, and right, I'm in city limits now. Uh, because I got, I got my own power, I got my own water, I got my own everything, and, and I want to keep my freedom. You know, I don't want people coming down there saying I got to hook up to this water and, and that sewer and or anything like that. I want to keep my own freedom, right? I mean, this, you're not changing any of that, right? Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Just want to make sure we keep it. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm Bill Preston. We had the family owns property in there. And uh, the one thing I'm curious about is uh, what do you have proposed for a, a sewer system? Sewer system. Sure. Okay. Is that something that's been gone over before? I mean, were, are you. If you say you put, put a bunch of houses up there, where's the sewage going to go to? Has okay. anyone? Okay. I've, got, I've heard that uh, through the grapevine that it's to tie into the big uh, system that Lincoln has. Well, we'll see if we can get an answer for you. Okay. okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, my name's Hal Irby, and I'm inside this lot. Actually, these two parcels here. And we operate a horse farm, and that's our livelihood. It's been that way for a couple of generations now, and I want to make sure that we can continue to operate. Um, as it stands right now, it's zoned agricultural, so that shouldn't be a conflict. But I want to see that it stays that way. Yeah, okay. Sounds right. <laughs> Anyone else care to comment? Okay. If no one else is going to come forward, then we'll close the public comment period and bring it back to the commission for consideration. And I guess what we'll try to do is maybe, Chris, do you want to try to speak to some of the questions that were brought up and see if you can satisfy them? Sure. So. <clears throat> All these areas in green are existing zoning, mostly farm, 80s, 20s, 10s, 5s, 4.6s. Uh, none of that changes. So one of the, the things we heard from the community was protect the, the existing character, and we do that with just carrying that zoning forward. There's no interest. We didn't hear from anyone that wanted additional development rights out here. So th the zoning they have today, they'll retain. The uses they can do today, they can do tomorrow. And one of the benefits of being in the community plan is if they stay in the general plan, when the general plan gets updated in, say, two or three years, land use will be on the table. This will lock them in once this get, goes to the board and if they, the board decides to approve this. This will lock that zoning in. When the general plan update comes along, this area will be technically, literally off the table. 
it, land use won't be considered out here because it's, it's in, the, in the community plan. Uh, the, the tribal property has a PD designation. We don't change that. They can develop that. They had a, a previous proposal for a, a little over 100 homes out here. This doesn't give them any uh, additional units out there. They, they're free to develop as they, as they see fit. Um, being in the community plan gives us a little bit more, uh, something to, to hold their feet to as far as design guidelines. And when we talk to the tribe, they call that their Sheridan property. So we kind of formalize that, it now include them in the Sheridan plan instead of uh, rural Sheridan or uh, part of the general, the county's current general plan. Um, the issue of water and sewer, uh, one of the first things we tackled with the subcommittee is um, what do we envision for the future? Is it a, a Lincoln type community or a rural community? And talking with county staff, what do you envision for that existing wastewater treatment plant out there? Are we looking to double the capacity, triple the capacity, take it offline and connect to Lincoln? So in one of the assumptions that we came up with in facility services told us there's no plans to significantly, significantly or increase the capacity of the wastewater plant um, substantially. So yes, there's room for growth up there. Right now, with the upgrades, there's a capacity for 82 units of additional housing, and then that's it. So anything out here stays on, out in the rural area stays on well and septic. Town site can accommodate 82 new units. Now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 40 years from now, the state may say, this wastewater plant just isn't cutting it. You need to connect to Sheridan. That would probably be the grounds to open up the community plan again. <coughs> Do we need more growth up here to pay for the connection to regional. But for now, this 20-year plan assumes the water and sewer facilities stay as is, so there's limited potential for growth up there. So 82 total units today is what's uh, capacity for. Okay, say, say Chris. Uh, <clears throat> Richard. With regards to, uh, I guess just to be clear, as far as the, the uh, Sheridan Indian property, uh, I think what you're saying is it's considered it's tribal property mm. and so I guess any zoning that really impacts that would be uh, developed by the Indian community and not the county I'm not sure the legalities of how they help hold their property I know the agreement says that if they develop something they're gonna they would go through our environmental review process okay so they'll go through the county's process right. then. but uh, they are their own entity. Well, why why was it included again? I think the question is why is it included at this time again? Maybe that you can clarify that for me. It, it was decided to bring it into the Sheridan Community Plan to recognize that it's part of Sheridan. Who, who decided? It was the subcommittee and also the tribe. They, the tribe. They were okay with the idea. Okay. Okay. Any other questions, Chris? I was just going to mention on the, uh, the question on the, whether it would connect to regional because apparently there's some rumor of that that the sewer facility, the cost to run that line to the regional facility is astronomical and I don't see that there's any feasible way of doing that at this time or in the near future. I, I've heard a million dollars a mile and that's probably a low ball estimate. And there's just not the demand for the homes up there that would need, we would need thousands of homes to pay for that connection. All right. I think that pretty much answers all the issues that were brought up. Thanks, Chris. 
With that, we'll bring it back to the commission for uh, their recommendation. There was. If I if I could just bring up one thing, I know the last hearing that was was continued. One of the primary discussions was the 33 acre parcel that was proposed to be rezoned from uh, industrial to farm, and there's there's three options that staff has come up with. I would you know ask the commission to to you know make a decision on on one of those options, and then we can kind of guide you as far as uh, you know how the you know, recommended findings and environmental document would go. Well, I can tell you very clearly that I am very adamantly against uh, leaving this industrial. So I would want to pick A as our option as the plan has been originally proposed. That's my position. Okay, I, I guess I wanted to uh, Richard, maybe comment on that <clears throat> in that uh, in the staff report, as well as in observing the hearing on the computer, it's apparent that the property owner really uh, is more interested in residential uses on that parcel than industrial uses, though it gives them the option to do the industrial right now. And so I guess kind of my thought process on that would be, uh, in any case, if it's Ag 20 or if it stays industrial, and the property owner wants to uh, develop that for residential uses, and it would require a, a, a rezone quest, uh, a question outside of the, this process here. So, at least the way he indicated that he was headed, uh, he probably would have to ask for a rezone either way. And then the other question I have uh, I know there was discussion in the staff report maybe five acres, maybe. You know, five-acre uh, agriculture, and I guess the question I have in this particular area, seeing it out there, uh, you know, I think maybe 20 acres is, if you're going to try and do some agriculture out there, 20 acres is probably pretty tight because it's not really high-quality agricultural land. So, so to uh, break it down into smaller pieces may not really be feasible, as well as. Uh, the industrial use, if there's no real water, if they can't get a successful well in, then uh, maybe there's a question there too, whether or not it would even work as an industrial parcel. So at any rate, a lot of the concerns in my mind are, uh, you know, in, in zoning, uh, it, you know, it gives you the ability for a use, but it doesn't guarantee the feasibility for that use. and so. A lot of the decision making that goes into buying a parcel like that is really, you know, the person that buys it has got to take some responsibility for what they bought. And so uh, I guess I'm saying I just have some questions either way if it's a more dense uh, residential or if it's industrial, whether or not it's even feasible. So I guess given that and the fact that uh, whatever really happens with that property, they'd have to probably come in. Or uh, rezone separately, then you know I would be inclined to go with the way the community wanted to go in terms of Ag 20. Okay. Is there any other comments or a motion? No. Well, uh, well, I think the, the reason I am so adamant about this 
is if you look at the top line item that the uh, that the community stated is that they want it to remain rural and to drop an industrial parcel right in the middle of a very much of an ag area is completely inconsistent and goes 100 180 degrees against what the community wants so uh, I think this is time to clean this situation up and be respect what the community wants and change it to the ag 20. Chris is there anything in the, in the um, records that indicate why that was done in the beginning I mean that that's kind of a inconsistent zoning pattern to start out with I was just curious if there was a proposal that triggered that somewhere in the archives of the past we've looked and looked and looked and can't find the action that rezoned that property but neighbors and Commissioner Nader may know the, the story that apparently in the 1970s there was a property owner in Lincoln that repaired cars I believe Jim Kellison and he was looking to relocate his business and got a rezoning of this piece but never followed through on constructing anything okay so since the 70s it's been INP the current owner I believe bought it in 94 <laughs> with INP zoning that's pretty much what I thought yeah. <laughs> thank you okay it's back here with you commissioners what what's your pleasure well if there's no other discussion I would uh, make a uh, motion um, make sure I hit everything um, I would uh, move that we adopt the big back um, and um, excuse me uh, Commissioner I apologize for um, interrupting these are recommendations yeah. all of them are recommendations to the board oh, okay that's yeah. right so we can just wrap it as one sort of recommendation or I do I need to list? I, I would prefer you go down each but if you could just preface that that your motion is the recommendation, recommendation of the board for the following and I believe you can now follow based on what I've heard the Commission say about this parcel you can follow the recommendations on right. page six of your staff report Correct. Mm -hmm. I'll go down that so one adopt the negative declaration uh, to approve the general plan amendment to adopt uh, the Sheridan uh, community plan and land use diagram that rezones the 33 acres at Nader uh, Road and uh, Sheridan Lincoln Boulevard property to farm uh, 20 acre minimums and incorporate the changes suggested by PCTPA and approve a uh, three uh, approve a general plan amendment to the Placer County general plan land use diagram and four adopt a zoning consistency ordinance to rezone identified properties within the planned area to achieve consistency with the proposed plan update land use designation and five adopt the zoning text amendment to add the definition of uh, live slash work unit and add new section 17.52.135 town center commercial combining districts to the Placer County Code chapter 17. Also, all, all subject to the findings okay. of the report listing the findings that are findings are contained in the June 12 2014 staff report okay I'll second it I'll second okay we have a motion and a second if there's no further comment we'll have roll call please yes 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 thank you all for your participation and your interest I hope it's what everybody wants <laughs> well you have some time to think about it now thank you where we come back <laughs> maybe 20 years or whatever and I again, do remember doing it the last time which was about 30 years ago and 
it was uh, a rather hostile environment back in those days. <laughs> and again, anyway, Chris, thank Chris, thank you for all your hard work on this. Good job, and Chris. Yeah. Good job on this. Okay. Into that one. For those of you interested, our next item is going to be community event centers. You want to take a little break? No. no okay. Community event centers, zoning text amendment, negative declaration for all supervisorial districts. And George, you're going to enlighten us on this, I take it? Yes. Thank you. Go. Two people. Oh, I think we're all set. Okay. So yes, gentlemen, as you know, um, we have been working, staff, planning commission, and the public have been working on a, an event center ordinance to replace the definition of community center in the Placer County Zoning Ordinance. So to date, we've had five workshops. We have, uh, or I have gone to the max at least twice. I've been to some of them more than twice. I have gone to the Agricultural Commission two or three times to discuss it. And at the last meeting, basically we had a complete ordinance and you asked me to make just a couple of changes and um, I'm gonna go over those in just a second and come back. Today we're back for a recommendation um, from you to the Board of Supervisors. The changes that you asked, um, to be made at the last hearing was to add the definition that we discussed um, in the definition section of the ordinance that's been done. You asked that we put um, the ag requirements that we discussed um, pursuant to what came out of the ag commission about minimum amounts and that sort of thing. That's been done in um, D7, uh, section D7 of the ordinance. The other um, issue that you wanted me to come back with some uh, um, recommendations on was access. It seems to be the hot, but, uh, hot button item for the entire um, uh, issue. Um, I went over three basically, and the three that I, that I looked at were, one, leave it as it is. With a conditional use permit, you look at all the access, whether it's public, um, shared public, or just their single access out to a public right away, and you look at that through the use permit and make a determination that it's appropriate. And there's really only three options that I could think of. The second option was that if uh, an event center wanted to use a shared private access, that they would have to get uh, a written, signed, notarized agreement from all the property owners who had property that accessed on that same shared private access. And the um, third one was to simply not allow these to go out shared private accesses. Agricultural event centers would not be allowed on a shared private access. They'd have to have their own access uh, to a public road. What I left in the ordinance um, was that it should be um, determined by the use permit because as we've talked this entire time, Placer County is so diverse that it's impossible to have sort of one size fits all. And the way to address it is through the use permit. Um, so I left it that way. If the Planning Commission desires to have it a different way, what I would ask is that you just tell me what that is and still make a recommendation so we can move on to the board and I'll change it um, before it goes to the board. The um, 
other thing that I put in um, that we haven't discussed is in section five event size, um, I added that the event size is 100, uh, 200, and 400 um, in the small, medium, and large. I put in as specified by the use permit because over the course of this entire process, it appears to me that the Planning Commission has wanted the ability to either vary that number of people up or to vary that number of people downward depending on the, on the circumstances. So um, I took the liberty of putting that in Section 5 at event size. So that's also something I would like to um, discuss with you today. And as I said, we're here. The changes have been made. Um, and we would like to get a recommendation from you on the revised negative declaration and the draft event center ordinance so we can move forward to the board. That's all I have today. Well, that's quite a bit. Yeah. Well, not compared to what we've done in the past, but yeah, pretty <laughs> short today. Any questions? Yeah, yeah I guess uh, uh, we're still defining an event as five people. We are. That's the definition of event. That number can be varied upward or downward. Uh, if you choose to. I mean, right now it's five people. Okay. Well, I did get a question that came up that, uh, you know, five people, you know, if you, you know, if you have, of course, we're not talking wineries here, but a tasting room very easily could have more than five people in it, then it's really not an event. Or I'm trying to put it in the context of a Mandarin, something going on where you have more people than five. You know, I, I think when you get into the agricultural event, uh, like tasting rooms and that sort of thing, this definition of event only applies to agricultural event centers. That's it. It doesn't apply to wineries. It doesn't apply across the board. It's specific to agricultural event centers. That's, that's what it was intended to do. It was intended to say that you can have all the private parties you want of any size, that sort of thing. But once you start having like a party for profit, that if you have five or more people there for that reason, then it becomes an event that will be counted towards the events that you have. So do not make the assumption that this definition of event goes across the board. It's specifically for the event center ordinance and will not be used anywhere else. There may be other versions when we come back and talk about the winery ordinance in about two weeks for the third workshop. We're going to have a discussion about what constitutes an event there and what doesn't. And I think you'll find that probably there's going to be some differences between the winery ordinance and the community, uh, the event center ordinance. Okay. 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 Thank you. Yep. Any other questions? Uh, Wayne? George, I didn't see a lot in here about enforcement. And right. uh, it's something I'm, I have to say I'm hypersensitive to because I think I've mentioned before I've been the victim of having a event center next to me in a rural environment. It was a mm -hmm. wedding facility and their flagrant disregard for their impact on the community. Mm -hmm. So enforcement's a big issue to me. And do you have, do you, can you elaborate on some things about yeah. that? Absolutely. If we've gone through the workshop process, um, the reason there's not a discussion about or a codification of enforcement actions for this is we, we discuss that we already have processes in place. So specifically with regard to code enforcement, 
in the new budget cycle, we've been given authorization to um, hire a third officer. Um, we've also been told that we will have to have an officer on call at this point on weekends Great. to enforce event centers and that sort of thing. Good. Event centers. It, it will start with, with um, event centers mostly. Um, the other thing, the reason we didn't go into too much about code enforcement is because, as we've discussed, the best way to control an issue that may arise with an event center is to bring it back before you and, and revoke, right. revoke the use permit. That is the most effective code enforcement tool that we have. And we already have processes to do that in the zoning ordinance. We already have a procedures manual in our code enforcement division. So I think as we move forward, we will have um, much more of a presence with regard to, to these sorts of things. So will that new officer, or now that you're setting up a structure for weekends to be covered, say an event goes till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, that mm -hmm. person can, uh, somebody can call them and, and uh, register a complaint? Well, register a complaint, and, and essentially we haven't worked through all the issues of how it would work, but essentially for, for us to cite someone, the officer has to witness it going on. So it wouldn't just be making a call. If someone says, hey, there's this unauthorized event going on on this agricultural piece of property, what will happen is the officer will probably go out and witness it, probably not make contact right there. It would be something that they would witness and then make contact on, on Monday. Depending, if we decide we're gonna make contact with illegal events, then we need to coordinate with the sheriff and bring a deputy with us. It, it, I'm not comfortable sending one single officer into a party of two or 300 people who have been drinking all day by themselves. We're gonna have to have deputies with us. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, is it uh, your thought that, you know, we're talking about requiring signs to be posted out in front of event centers that have phone numbers where mm -hmm. you can have access, would you envision having that uh, availability of the phone number for that uh, for whatever is going to be on the weekends for the county an enforcement officer yeah you that. know I hadn't thought about that until you just brought it up but there's going to be a number for the event center and then we will put um, with your recommendation uh, on the same sign code enforcement's um, number I think that'd be an excellent idea it would also uh, show the event center operator that there's a hammer out there if they don't comply with uh, whatever regulations are put on them yeah not a problem we can we can add that really easily uh, the other I just had a question on this because this came up in the uh, uh, I think in the Mac meetings of the number of meetings and uh, some people were saying that they thought that the 26 was too many mm -hmm. uh, I think are we still on 26 yeah essentially what, what, what we decided to do and that was what I was talking about with regard to section 5 is it's or as specified by the use permit. That gives the, that gives the commission, so what you have is you have a baseline, right. 26. If you wanna go above 26, you need to explain to us why you wanna go above 26 and what are the circumstances that would allow you to do that. Right. If 26 is too many, then in the use permit you specify it's appropriate for you to have 12 or 10. My concern, George, mm -hmm. is uh, <coughs> We need to address the concentrated time of these uh, because obviously during the, the nicer times of the year, mm -hmm. we have a whole bunch of them happening at once. Mm -hmm. Should we have 
or was it ever talked about of having a uh, limit on how many you can have in a in a 30-day period, uh, like uh, you know three or four? Because you know they could have one every other night, you know, of 26 within a very short period of time. So, yeah, that has a pretty heavy impact on the community. There was this was not put into the ordinance um, specifically about spacing them out, and the reason we didn't do that is because when you put the requirement for a use permit. You have the ability to space them out. You can specify that you can have events Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Monday through Thursday, you cannot. Or if it's only appropriate Saturday and Sunday, you also specify that as part of the use permit. So that really is why, as we've gone through this process and you start trying to put these hard and fast rules on it, that, like I said, one size doesn't fit all. But you have the ability through looking at the environmental impacts through the environmental document and through the use permit to address all of these issues on an individual basis, which I think from a staff perspective is the best way to go about it. Because what you don't want to have is you don't want to have someone who can have 26 events and is wildly inappropriate, but they get to come in front of you and you either have to tell them, you know, we're going to deny your project because we don't have the ability to vary it one way or the other. So I think you want the ability to do that. Makes sense. George, I have a question. Okay, let's say an event center has been approved mm -hmm. to the conditional use permit, mm -hmm. and the person invested quite a bit of money, mm -hmm. build a building, etc. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of problems in the area. How easy or how hard is it going to be to deny and tell them you can't have any more events there ever? Okay, well, when let me ask. You. When they just got through putting a million dollar building in. Well, let me, I need I need specify, I need to specify something. Are they within Are they within the conditions of approval that were placed for their use permit, and are they operating within? Well, the let's parameters? say they're Let's say they're operating outside of their 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 conditions. How easy is it, is it going to be? Yeah. To stop it? Yeah. We come back before you. You vote, and revoke the use permit. It's over. Easier until we wind up in court. Easier said remember. than done. Anyway, yeah. that's my comment. <laughs> Huh? Maybe what? not. <laughs> Let's have one more question to you. Go ahead, Richard. Okay. Let me see. Uh, <clears throat> I do notice that we uh, are, and, and you know, on the surface it sounds really good. And where you have prime agricultural land, you don't want to necessarily pave it over or, mm -hmm. or uh, actually put a lot of buildings and structures on it. And uh, <clears throat> in this county, particularly on the west side, the prime agricultural land is relatively limited and probably fairly easy to uh, avoid. Mm -hmm. But when you get up in the Forest Hill area, you have uh, soils up there that are very deep, mm -hmm. acid-making soils, which would be prime soils. In fact, that's probably where the bulk of the prime soils are in the county. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, you know, how is this handled so that we're just not out of pocket eliminating uh, an event center up in the Forest Hill area? Or maybe well, over in Colfax, sir. Well, um, at the last hearing, um, you as a body directed me to put the, that, that section in about unique statewide local importance farmland. If, if you think that we need to take a different step back from that, we can do that. Um, you know, I guess you could throw in as specified by the use permit. That would be, you know, that would give you the ability um, to maybe encroach into those things a little bit or not. So that would that would be your decision about whether you want to leave that in or take that out. 
Okay. But we can have a discussion about that. Absolutely. Later. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do I see any other questions? If not, we'll open it up then to the public. Thank you, George. Yep, thank you. Please come forward and give us your name and... My name is Lori Lewis. I live on Wise Road. Good morning, commissioners. I will be short and to the point. Today, you will decide if you represent the taxpayers of Placer County or the planning department. All the MACs have agreed with our position that an event center on a private shared road is not a prudent decision. Even George's research with neighboring counties deal with the issue supported, as our opinion is, not on a private shared road. There is currently an issue with the Goathouse Brewery on a private shared road that has led to court action involving restraining orders and a hostile living environment for both parties. This is just the beginning of a constant legal battle that I think the county would be liable, especially since the county has knowledge that this is against the taxpayers' wishes. So gentlemen, to put it bluntly, Will you choose to be the solution to the problem or to create the problem? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Marilyn Jasper. I'm speaking on behalf of Sierra Club and Public Interest Coalition. When the event center controversies unfolded over two years ago, citizens participated in good faith and trusted the county's assurances that suggestions would be considered. After years of meetings, the proposed zoning text amendment, ZTA, contains only very minor changes. Worse are now the inserted flexibility clauses that lead to ambiguous interpretation. We're right back at square one. Three of the many overwhelming citizens' concerns include prohibiting shared private road use. That's ignored in terms of what we had, that many MACs had suggested. Reducing the number of events. That little loophole clause that's in there should say, if it's gonna be in there or otherwise, it should say, or otherwise less than 26. Because as it's written now, it can go over. And code enforcement which will now be iffy because this ZTA avoids setting firm standards. The county tries to justify some of its recommendations on the fragmentation of the county's ag lands. Instead of seeing fragmentation for what it is, a land use limitation, this ZTA simply increases the lack of uniform use and incompatibility. And what Mr. Johnson said earlier, people who buy the property have to take some responsibility for what they bought. We don't bend the rules just because they can't do it. The addition of the ag production standard of $1,000 per acre clearly per acre is rendered useless because of the addition of that flexibility loophole or as otherwise specified by the conditional use permit. Um, Clear standards, uh, hard and fast, to use George terms, need to be set or they can't be enforceable. Enforceability is out the window. If, you d if a speed limit is 25 miles an hour or 65 or if a DUI has a threshold, that's it. There's not flexibility in that and there shouldn't be in this ZTA. Um, already mentioned was some litigation that's going on right now because of this very similar thing. Here, there are four of them 
four filings. This is just one over 40 pages using up county, Placer County court resources and time and not settled. It's probably going to go on for quite a while. The county claims that this is not a project and therefore is exempt from CEQA. We disagree. <coughs> in part because the existing community center ordinance is, this is an expansion of that and therefore it is subject to CEQA in terms of a mitigated NAGDEC or even a programmatic EIR. A general plan update, a general plan or a general plan update is not a project per se either, but we do an EIR for it. So I think we're in real shaky grounds here. We urge you to send it back and make those, especially make the standards firm, hard and fast, enforceable. Otherwise, it's, it's, we've, it's been a, a worthless endeavor for two years. Thank you. Thank you. Morning. Good morning. My name is Dan Macon, and I'm the livestock representative on the Placer County Agricultural Commission and a um, rancher here in Auburn. And first, I want to commend George for all of the time that he spent working on this. Um, he's been at least, as he noted, two or three times to the Ag Commission alone, and that's a, a huge time commitment. Um, a couple of, of points from the perspective of the Agricultural Commission, just to reiterate. Our concern is that an agricultural event center be supportive of a commercial agricultural enterprise on the property rather than vice versa, that the primary economic use of the property must be production agriculture and that the event center support that use rather than um, token agriculture to support uh, the, the application of a, an ag event center. I think the, um, the gross income requirement is sufficient to do that. I think it is good to have some flexibility, certainly in a year when lamb market is down, um, making $1,000 an acre off of lambs is, is problematic. Um, but there does need to be some income requirement in our estimation. Um, we also think, and, and certainly would want to work with you, Rich, to, to make sure we're covering the, the forested areas, but I think it is absolutely vital that we not pave over what little prime farmland we have in the foothills, and I think that that clause um, does that. The other issue I guess I would ask um, for some clarification on is on the definition of event, and I appreciated the explanation. Um, it would be helpful in my opinion to have something in that um, clause that says that that applies only to the definition of an event center. I would be concerned as somebody that runs sheep who may want to do a, a sheepdog trial, for example, that if I had more than five sheepdog handlers pay me to come herd my sheep, that I would be defined as an event and have to get an agricultural event center permit, which is a separate issue, I think, in, in my understanding. So I think some clarification there would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, yeah. I, I just wanted to maybe ask a little question about the, uh, it's dealing with $1,000 an acre, you know, and I think you kind of alluded to the fact that in many cases that may be a little high. And I'm appreciative of the fact that the language here does give some flexibility and the Ag Commission really can consider if somebody making a proposal is a bona fide agriculturalist or not. Yes. And I guess I'm wondering, though, uh, I guess just the thought I'm having is, uh, you know, like if you have a 10-acre parcel, uh, those are the ones that are probably closest to being the most sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so maybe $1,000 an acre there you know, it fits, but if you have a 20 or 40 acre parcel or more, 
it, I guess I'm wondering, uh, you know, why not just make it a flat $10,000 rather than $1,000 an acre? I think it needs to be tied to the acreage for a couple of reasons. One is um, we, we have a difference, I think, between crop agriculture and rangeland agriculture. And in all honesty, 40 acres of rangeland is not a commercially viable agricultural operation. It'll run four cows. Mm -hmm. And that, in my mind, is not a standalone commercially viable operation um, in terms of this definition. 40 acres of orchard ground is a different matter. And I think the income requirement, tying the income requirement to a per acre amount helps us differentiate between those types of operations. Um, and I think having, I think this gives some flexibility to address that um, by saying that it can be determined um, through the permit process mm -hmm. what the appropriate level is. I guess, I guess kind of what's going through my mind is, you know, like you mentioned, a 40-acre parcel and only four cows. Right. It's not commercially viable. But uh, that may, the, may, may be the type of, of uh, parcel that could accommodate events and then uh, I guess actually give the owner of that parcel the ability to, uh, you know, keep the 40-acre parcel versus, uh, you know, breaking it down into fractured pieces. So and I guess I'm from wondering if, um, if the way this is worded, uh, you know, recognizing the flexibility and, and the Ag Commission really can think this through, but, you know, some of the – I'm wondering if some of the people that maybe most need the ability to have an event center might be eliminated from – consideration or eliminate themselves just based on the standard? I guess our perspective on that standard is, is that priority of use of the piece of land and, and the event center serving the agricultural enterprise versus the agricultural enterprise there just to qualify for the ag event center. We start getting into that gray area if we're talking about a 40-acre rangeland parcel um, without having some income requirement. And, and I, I think that's where the Ag Commission um, – came down on that issue. Um, I can certainly see the point that you're, you're making, and perhaps that should be a community event center rather than an agricultural event center. Um, maybe there's some differences. So in that would require rezoning at that point. It, it would. Yeah, but it seems like for a 40-acre parcel, $40,000 is a pretty steep. Uh, if it's 40 acres of grapes or 40 acres of tree crops or 10 acres of vegetable crops on that 40 acres, it's not a it's not an insurmountable requirement, and there is some flexibility to be below that forty thousand dollar gross income. It's not a net requirement, but it's a gross requirement. And I, I guess the other other issue along with that, in terms of the future role of the Agricultural Commission, as we review Williamson Act contract applications, it might be useful for those agricultural event center applications um, to at least be reviewed by the Ag Department if not coming before the Agricultural Commission so that we might um, provide you all with some recommendations on, on the agricultural component to that mm -hmm. application. Do you think that the current wording uh, provides for that, or would you see a need to change that? I, I would defer to the experts. I'm not sure how that is handled in other cases, actually. Well, we can, we can ask them later. Yeah. That would yeah. be a good question. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? morning. I'm Carol Rubin from uh, Newcastle. I live on Country Hill Run. I represent Safe Placer Farmlands. 
I want to correct what may have been a misimpression um, given by the event size and number of guests per event when Mr. Rososco was speaking. I think you might have heard that in the previous language of, of the draft, that since there was a 26 event per year uh, cap, that planning would have been required to permit 26 events per year. That is not the case. Look at the draft in your packets. It says a maximum, up to a maximum of 100, 200, or 400, up to a maximum of 26 events per year. Planning already in the previous draft had the flexibility to lower it. But what we wanted and what was presented to the MAX and to the Ag Commission was an absolute cap, something that the people both buying a property for an event center and the people in the neighborhood could rely on what was going to happen. That draft was presented to the MAX and the Ag Commission with those absolute caps in place. Now that that opportunity for comment by the MAX has passed, all of a sudden this flexibility argument, which essentially removes these caps, has come into play. I, I don't think that's right. Um, I think that it demonstrates, frankly, a, a lack of good faith. Um, on the shared private road issue that many people have uh, alluded to, of, of the seven MACs that commented on access, all of them wanted either limited or prohibited access from shared private roads because when a commercial venture such as an ag event center applies to use the shared access, it affects the property rights of everyone who shares that road. The other parties to the road agreement who don't benefit from the event center and may be negatively impacted by it now are at risk of suffering legal liability if a guest, an employee, or a vendor should have an accident on that shared road. This is not something the Placer County should get into. If you allow permits for uh, ag access centers accessed by shared private roads, sorry, ag event centers, um, no matter what the final decision, either to allow the use or to the deny the use, you will be perceived as favoring the property rights of either the applicant or the neighbors over the others. This is not something Placer County should be involved in. Others have alluded to the ongoing litigation with the brewery. This was caused because Placer County allowed this use with shared private access. And it's because of this that we really don't think you should be flexible in this because planning has pretty much indicated to us that they're not going to decide wisely. This, was a, 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 this opens up everybody to real, real problems, sets neighbor against neighbor. The draft presented for your approval is not the one the Max and the Ag Commission were asked to review, nor is it the one submitted with a mitigated negative declaration. By ignoring these concerns expressed at the MAX, planning is increasing and not alleviating the uncertainty and anxiety felt by many rural landowners about the eventuality of these facilities in their neighborhoods. 
And can I also say that planning has indicated, uh, Mr. Rososko has indicated, that planning is in the process of revising the temporary event ordinance. This is long overdue in my opinion. Let's think about this. Let's make it relatively difficult in Placer County to change farmland into large, permanent, expensive entertainment venues. And let's, if this is a good revenue stream for farmers and other rural folks, let's make it relatively easy for them to sponsor low impact, temporary, a few events per year. So that's, I guess, what I'm asking for you to do. Please restore the hard caps. Please limit access by shared private roads. And please, let's make it tough to build permanent event centers and easier to hold a few more temporary events per year. Thank you. Thank you. If we can, it would be helpful if we could abbreviate some of your presentations a little bit, make them concise and short. Thank you. Please come forward. I didn't mean to scare you off. I'm not <laughs> short, so I'm not worried. Okay. <laughs> Patricia Burke, I also am on Country Hill Run in Newcastle. And I am here not because I enjoy public speaking or because I like going to meetings. I am here to make a last appeal to the Planning Commission after many, many months of hearings, workshops, and MAC presentations on the subject of agricultural event centers. There are three subjects I wish to address. The first is the pernicious use of or as specified by the conditional use permit. This open-ended phrase means that no one has to necessarily play by the rules. It means that planning at their discretion can grant privileges that other applicants may not enjoy. It means that we as property owners cannot be certain of any codified protections. I ask that the phrase or as specified by the conditional use permit be stricken wherever it appears. The second concern is shared access on private roads. You could, your ears are going to fall off behind this one. <laughs> By allowing shared access, it grants one property owner rights at the expense of the other properties on, this, on that shared road. Access to any agricultural event center must be from a private road, period. No exceptions. The reasons for this have been visited over and over again. The third item I wish to address is compliance. There must be codified and enforced penalties for those who cannot or will not conform to the rules. All agricultural event center operators must understand that there are significant sanctions for noncompliance. These punishments must be explicitly spelled out and code enforcement officers must be available during events so that no one is Monday morning second-guessing. Thank you for hearing us. Thank, Thank you, you for your time. Thank you for your patience, for your consideration. I hope that was brief enough. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning. My name is Don DuPont. I represent Rock Hill Winery. Um, as I understand it, I think that Rock Hill is the only uh, uh, winery event center applicant. And uh, 
I'm, uh, I'm here because I think that the decision that made today has a huge impact financially on individuals as well as the county. Uh, if, if, there, if, if an ordinance is passed and it becomes too restrictive, uh, I'm afraid that facilities will operate outside of the, of the ordinance, and that's really why we're here. Um, might sound strange, but the three preceding speakers and I have a lot in common. We actually agree on a lot of stuff, uh, and they were at my facility, and uh, they thought it's uh, actually a model for what we should have. I, I think there's very few in the room that have actually been there, but uh, I think they would agree that the planning, location, parking, distance from neighbors make the facility a model for agritourism. And um, so after all, if uh, why, why wouldn't you have a winery in a vineyard? Where would you put it, in an industrial park? Um, and to be too restrictive and to limit people's access to agricultural heritage, I think, is a mistake. Not only that, that's a way to supplement property taxes. Uh, once you spend a couple million dollars, the taxes instantly go to $20,000 a year. It's a, it's a big dollar figure to have to pay. Um, most people avoid litigation because it's so expensive. In my case, since I have such a huge investment, I'm, I'm left with no choice but to pursue um, legal recourse. The county supervisors specifically excluded Rock Hill Winery from the event center moratorium when they passed um, Wise Villa and Gold Hill. And um, the planning department has failed to follow their direction and ignored the correspondence from my attorney. Um, I want you to consider your options carefully because it will have a big impact on individuals as well as the county. I appreciate the time. Thank you, John. Anyone else? Please come forward. I'm Jeff Evans, Bear River Winery in Meadow Vista. And uh, I've raised this issue at every one of these workshops and at the MAC meeting in Meadow Vista, and apparently it's fallen on deaf ears. Um, if you look at our current zoning um, for my property, which is zoned resort, and what the allowable uses are and what I have to go through for each of those, a community center, you know, it says C, clearance, just zoning clearance is all I need. And under the new uh, proposed ordinance for a community center, it says CUP. This new proposed ordinance clearly defines the difference between a community center, a community event center, a small agricultural event center, an intermediate agricultural event center, and a large agricultural event center. And you notice there's no event center term on community center. It's just community center. That's the smallest entity of all of those. And, you know, it, it says CUP, conditional use permit, or the highest level of, you know, clearance interaction with the planning department. And what is your zoning? Yeah. Are you in uh, C2 or C3? No, it's resort. And uh, if you look at... If you look at, uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but is, resort is commercial. And for C2 and C3, yeah, he does have a, you know, a C in there. But for... Uh, That's RES, it's resort. For resort, he, he doesn't. He has CUP. And my property borders industrial land. It's next to an asphalt plant, a gravel quarry, a concrete batch plant. And, and yet, you know, I'm, I'm being taken to the highest level just to have a simple community center. 
And, you know, you look at, for resort zoning currently, the other kinds of things I could do there, well, I could have mobile homes, you know, I could have uh, a restaurant, just, excuse me, with just C, I could have offices, I could have uh, uh, a bed and breakfast for lodging with just a C, um, you know, I could have uh, multifamily dwellings on there, I could build condominiums, I could, you know, I could do all these other things with just a simple C. And, and then, you know, with this, this will be out of sync with, you know, you, you pass this one and it'll make it a community center, all of a sudden needs a CUP, but I can go do all these other things. I could put in, you know, a, a hotel or, you know, something like that. And I just think it's, it's, it's ridiculous to, uh, to do that, um, to have that kind of disconnect. You know, if you can do all these other things with a C, and a community center is a very simple thing. It's somewhere, you know, where Boy Scouts could gather or, you know, you could have, you know, some people from the church come over. It's not an event center. It's not a concert. It's not something where you're, you know, bringing in 400 people. And yet George has just continued to leave that at CUP. I mean, if you look at what I can do with an MUP, a minor use permit, I could do campgrounds. You know, I could do uh, an elementary school. I could do... Uh, you know, ski lifts, you know, a, a shooting range. I mean, there's a, a ton of other things I could do with a lesser level of, you know, scrutiny by the county. And I just think, you know, he, he, he's got a, a huge disconnect there and it needs to be fixed. So I think you really should just send this back to those folks like other people have recommended and let them clear up some of these things before you yeah, pass we it can, on the board. Once we get into the discussion point, we can ask a question to get the rationale for that. All right, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Colleen Crowden uh, from Lincoln. I am actually the neighbor to the east of the Goat House Brewery, and um, we have direct experience with the Goat House Brewery and the problems that have been associated with that brewery. And I know that this is a pilot program, essentially, if you will, for the county in terms of approving something under an ordinance that was not uh, structured for this type of a business operation. Um, I actually, my neighbors have the access road that is being used by the winery and their patrons, which is where all of the lawsuits have generated from. My concern is that I am right next door to them and um, we have our other issues with them. However, my access road is not being used by them, it's being used by their parents who live right next door and bought the parcel behind them, or behind us rather, next door to the, uh, the goat house. If in fact public use is allowed and passed on private roads, this opens us up to so much exposure countywide. I have no idea how many taxpayers, how many rural residents have parcels that contain an access road on them, but I would be very concerned for all of them who don't know that this is probably going on today because we were only notified um, of this through neighbors. <coughs> I had no idea this was even going on until just a couple of months ago. Um, I think it's very important that looking at that and looking at the impact on the rural residents and what this means for liability. As it is, I have three residents uh, that share my road that I own on my property. I have to carry additional liability insurance to ensure that I'm protected from any lawsuit should there be any accidents on that property. The problem is, is if this becomes a countywide ordinance that public or private, private roads can be used for public access, then now you've got a lot of angry rural residents who now have all this infringement. They lose out on their privacy. They lose out on the potentially being sued. There is litigation. 
Um, in fact, I will just bring up one very clear example. The neighbor that owns the access road in which the Goat House Brewery uses was sued because when the Goat House was permitted to do their business, they were told that they needed to make some adjustments, modifications to the road to make it legal for public access. The neighbor uh, did not want to do that. He had old growth trees there. He owns the road. He owns the property. He didn't feel he needed to do that. Um, the owners of the Goat House Brewery promptly sued him. He had two options, to either comply with whatever it would take to get them in business or to not comply and to fight that lawsuit, which is very expensive. He decided to comply, and since then, it's been literally a nightmare for them. Um, I would just say that now there's other litigation going on, which we've, um, some of the neighbors have been subpoenaed to court for um, uh, other reasons. But now you're talking about a civil lawsuit that's involved, and it's just the, this issue has become an onion. What I would ask the Planning Commission to consider is that if this is this big of a problem with this one business, imagine how big this will be with every single owner of every single access road just to protect their rights, protect their roads, and protect their privacy that we all moved out to this county for and have lived here for many years and have enjoyed. So thank you very much for hearing okay, me. Thank you. Next. My name is Sandy Sint. I'm a resident of Meadow Vista, and I would like to say that I'm very much against a shared private road for ag event centers. I'm asking the commission to please make ag event centers entrance on private roads only. Thank you. Public. 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 We knew what you said. At least I knew what you said. Okay, anyone else? Quickly. Good morning, my name is Mike Giles. I'm a resident of Newcastle. I find it interesting the analogy made in the example before this, which is should, the question was asked, should we drop an industrial property in the middle of ag? I, I think it's a fair point. I think it applies to community, to these event centers. Um, the, another point was made loudly, what does the community want? That question was asked loud and clear. I think the voices here from the community are clear. I mean, you have dissenting opinions from people who own or want to own an event center, but I ask you this, who has purchased a <coughs> land that was zoned event center? And if they invested money, aren't they responsible for that? Or are we responsible to make, to put the square peg into the round hole? I don't think we are. So let's, let's ask, what did the MACs agree on? What does the community want? I think that there are very clear points. One is they want private, they want access via a private road, not a shared road. Two, uh, I love the comments from the uh, gentleman representing uh, livestock. Agriculture is the primary use. Otherwise, you're dropping an industrial property into the middle of an agriculturally zoned area. Three, code enforcement. There's no question, even, even the comments of Mr. DuPont was that if you don't broaden this, people will probably violate it. They'll operate outside. Well, I can tell you going back five years, they operate outside and code enforcement has not been able to, has not been sufficient to adequately, adequately address it. Mount Vernon Winery had their, use permit revoked and for years 
continued to hold events. That's a fact. I will, I'll bring you documents. So the point is code enforcement is grossly lacking. Um, I will leave it with this. I agree with your sentiment. Let's do what the community wants. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. This is Teresa Cheney. I'm in, uh, from Newcastle. And I wanted to say that um, I have so much of support, so much of what I've heard here today. I think it's, there's been some very good thinking that's trying to be in cooperation with the vision of what we have for Placer County, both in terms of its economic sustainability and its agricultural sustainability. They're trying to look at this from the big picture. I think that uh, as a group, we, they've done a very, very good job uh, to, but I think in the Planning Commission's dilution of some of these recommendations that we've lost sight of the goals. The goal of this whole effort for over two years was to, it was to eliminate the ambiguity of some very vague, very ill-defined community center language. And I feel as though we've not given enough uh, firm caps, enough um, definition, enough um, clarity, enough lines that, that causes the burden on code enforcement. Code enforcement is the weak link. <laughs> so as though in theory I agree with the fact that Placer County is a very diverse area and so it's probably best, uh, best met with a flexibility in some of this language. In theory I agree with that. But in practice I do not. Because what I'm finding is all of a sudden now we're looking at agricultural land and how we can put in parking lots to accommodate 400 people and covering that up as our, our friend from the Agricultural Commission said. I think, we I think the three items that the, the um, residents worked so hard on that were the number of events per year, the number of um, guests per event, and the shared road issues were critical. And they were fairly unanimous. In a collaborative effort like this, over 18 months for us to have an agreed upon solution brought to the Planning Commission and then for it to be dismissed, I don't understand that. I, as hard as it is to get collaboration, these folks are taking their time and, their, and, and putting their effort into trying to be reasonable with a reasonable solution that will land things like agricultural uh, benefits like the uh, Rock Hill Winery. It, it, that's, that, the wineries are agricultural. We're talking about commercial event centers that and I think it's critical they maintain an agricultural component in terms of meeting some sort of minimum, whatever ends up being agreed upon. I find that it's, um, that the code enforcement right now, what I'm hearing from George, is still a lot of words like we'll probably do this and we'll probably do that and we're, and back we're into vagueness. I almost feel as though that, that it, not only have we missed the boat in terms of the, um, of defining this to where it is enforceable, we also haven't given the necessary thought to what that enforcement entails and if it's going to sting or not, if it's really going to be effective enforcement, not to say we have an enforcement group. Because right now we're not experiencing effective enforcement. So now we're inviting that this problem of enforcement can now be amplified without really, really a, a disregard or sort of an under an underemphasis, I would say, in taking a look at the enforcement issue. I think that's, you can't divorce the two. You need to take a look at that. I also um, wanted to say that 
this token agricultural item <coughs> is something that I, I'm glad that the Agricultural Commission representative spoke to that, 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 that there needs to be something in there that, um, that has teeth in the definition about people needing an ag, uh, primarily an agricultural thrust. And um, so I, I would hope that you guys take a strong look at that. I also wanted to um, say that if we leave this, to, in some ways in theory, we say the conditional use permit will be the deciding factor on a case-by-case -case basis to allow for flexibility in Placer County. It, 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 I like that. But I also find that in my experience that the critical thinking by the planners that are required to ensure that this conditional use permit is not abused or is not, um, is not necessarily kind of open-ended has not been in place. When I inquired about one of the original applications for an event center that came up um, and I asked the planner, how is it that you're defining this proposal as a community center? Her answer to me was, it didn't fit anywhere else. That was her answer to me. This is a quote from one of the planners on why this was shoehorned, this big, you know, event, a commercial events center was being shoehorned under community center because it didn't fit anywhere else. Well, this is the critical thinking that our planners are bringing under the conditional use permit process. I'm a little concerned about leaving things ambiguous. So I, I, I would beg that you guys take a look at this language and do what we set out to do two years ago and do what Marilyn has suggested and define it and quantify it and make it measurable with the intent that reflects what you've been hearing from all the residents. And I don't feel like we've done that now. I feel as though you guys have turned a blind eye to three key issues that were consistently agreed upon in the MAX. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? How many more people? One, two, all right. This be brief, thank you. Hi, my name is Virgil Buckner. I live at 2100 Gold Hill Road. Uh, I'll try not to waste your time. I'm here wasting my time because I live this. Um, it's across the street from me now. Um, I just would like to ask you to set standards and then enforce those standards. Um, if you sidestep it now, it's gonna be unfair. It's gonna be unsettled. It's gonna be different from everybody who walks in the door. I don't think that's really correct or right. I understand there needs to be some flexibility. Okay, I need to hurry. Um, use permits, they should, I believe they should expire upon the sale of the land and not carry forward. I would like to see the method of tracking events, maybe on the internet, posted 48 hours in advance. I don't think that's too much to ask. So someone could actually find out how many events were being held, you know, without spying on your neighbor. Um, I don't call law, law, uh, law enforcement or anything. Um, sometimes I'm disappointed when um, music is loud or it goes beyond, but I, I don't like turning to my neighbors. I really don't. Um, I don't like standing here speaking against them either. Um, I think that the limit to the amount of events, um, you know, what that is exactly, I don't know. Lincoln says 12, Penryn says six, the rural advisories. Um, if you do 26, that means every weekend of my life, I hear someone else's music. That has a big impact on my life and the quality of my life. Um, I didn't move to the city to get to the noise, I mean, away from the city and into the country to get away from, I moved there to get away from the noise, not to the noise, I'm sorry. Um, I'm nervous and I apologize. 
Um, I like the idea of like 51% of the income or $1,000 per acre. I think that makes sense. I think that's good for agriculture. I've heard like a five-year average being done. But I don't see a definition of income. Um, you can say that you have income, and then you can make that income go away by saying you had expenses. Therefore, there is no income. Is this a Schedule F income? A Schedule F is what you report um, proceeds from, from a farm operation. Um, it's either an income or a loss. So if you're showing a loss on your Schedule F, I would assume you didn't have income because there is no farm income in that case. Um, code enforcement. I've um, been kicking this one around. I think code enforcement needs to go out and see for themselves. They need to be there at 10 o'clock to see the music goes down. They need to be there and they need to monitor it. We can't trust, if I make a phone call, it's an hour at least before someone can show up out there, and that's at best. And in an hour, a lot of things change, and that party could be over and that thing. And then if they don't witness it, of course, it doesn't count, it didn't happen. Um, I think that something with teeth, let's put code enforcement out, let's hire someone to go out and check on these facilities and to show that they're doing the right thing, um, not leave it to the neighbors to complain. Um, I forget his name, uh, George said something about he didn't want to send his person over there to say something with people that have been drinking and afraid of problems. I'm the neighbor. I live right across the street from this. I, I, I face it every day. There's hostilities in my neighborhood. Started right here. It started with this. Um, we never had it before. Um, it's a shame. Um, but code enforcement, I think, is important. Don't leave it to the neighbors to call. Don't leave it to us to report. Don't leave it to us tattletales. That's something I don't want to do. I've never done it before, and I, and I really don't want to do it now. Um, I, the shared roads, I mean, talk about hostilities. I mean, this is Hatfields and McCoy type stuff. This is the things that legends are written from. I mean, this is near and dear to people. This is what causes neighbor against neighbor. This is civil war. This is something you guys really need to take a look at, and let alone the liabilities. Um, I don't even pretend to understand but I know that it's not a good thing, and there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. And I thought that's what we would try to um, avoid. Thank you. Thank you. My name's Carol Owens, and my husband and I live on Schindler Road, and we lived there for 56 years. And I was just wondering listening how you're talking about how much money these people put in for these community centers but how much is our 56 years worth and my husband and I were honored last year at the to get a, the heritage award and it was the first time they gave it to a man you know, husband and wife, for spending all these years of helping the egg, helping the kids, trying to keep our community the way the people that live here like. And I just wish that you would think a little bit about that. And I agree with all of my neighbors. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, still. My, my name is Mike Carson. I uh, live at, on Gold Hill Road. I'm the owner of Gold Hill Gardens, the recently approved uh, event center. Or it's been a year now, a little over a year. Um, 
I wanted to just talk a little bit about some of the improvement things with the event center and the ag. Uh, for any of you that, that have or live near ag use, uh, especially a larger operation, they have lots of buildings and parking and structures and places to process what they're doing. So, uh, you know, an event center uh, with an agricultural uh, component to it is, is not any different than a full agricultural operation, which is a commercial operation. So, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer there that, that we're paving over primary agricultural areas. Um, I think it's important that, that you maintain the flexibility um, in the ability for the planning staff and commission to uh, make decisions because every property has different components to it and every area has different components to it. So I think it's important that that flexibility be uh, provided. Um, I too think code enforcement is lacking and it should be, it should be stronger. It should, um, the people should have a, a voice, uh, an immediate voice with code enforcement. If, if somebody's not living up to what their conditions say they need to live up to, um, the neighbors and the people should have a, uh, an active, uh, you know, reliable uh, place to go and, and have that happen. So, uh, you know, I think if anything, code enforcement should be beefed up. Um, private drives, I, you know, I, I too believe that uh, if you live on a long private drive or a private drive or something and somebody wants to put something that's inviting public people into there, um, that, that that needs to be considered uh, more strongly. So I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, uh, I just think that going through, especially with a conditional use permit, that it gives uh, the governing bodies the ability to regulate um, under specific constraints on any individual property. And if the zoning allows for the, a use, the property owner should have the ability to go before the governing body and get the conditions to be able to make that use. When people buy property, if they don't do research on what allowable uses are, I mean, farm use, I can put some of these other things at the resort we're talking on, I could put a gun range out there, I could put a motocross track out there, it doesn't have any ag tie, doesn't have any of that. So, you know, I, I think that our elected officials and our appointed officials um, are put in those positions for a reason and they need to be, have the ability to make sound decisions on individual basis. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? If not, we'll close the public comment off then for today and bring it back to discussion. I, there seems to be a sea of issues, I guess, George. I, I think a lot of them seem to be answerable by whether or not, I guess, first of all, the, the right number and kind of conditions were would be imposed on an application by this commission, number one. And number two, after they were imposed on the applicant, if the if we were able to somehow guarantee that those conditions were going to get met, and that seems to always be the catch-22 because there's no doubt in my mind that we can impose conditions on various projects that make sense and that will make the project feasible. In this case, I think we need to go a step further on the enforcement department to try and assure the people that what we ask them to do gets done. 
And I'm not sure where to where to go with it. In my own mind, the next step almost seems like, as a condition of a, an applicant, that if in fact uh, it's necessary because they've had uh, violations and and haven't lived up to their contract, the next step be that they have to pay for a full-time officer, off-duty officer, on-duty someone to be a part of the of the the operation while it's open. And if that doesn't work then then of course revocation and and, and having it done away with. I, I think those are substantial uh, ways to ensure that things get done and I don't know if that's feasible or not but somehow it seems like we do need to find a way to go perhaps a step further than we were planning on at this point, and that is to require them if they have an infraction and aren't living up to the conditions that they agreed to, that they have to pay for having an enforcement person there the whole time that that action's going place. Well, it seems to me that would be a financial incentive for them to be sure that they kept their operation under control some to some degree I think that would help some but then the next step of course is if they if they can't and they won't maintain it then it's going to be taken away and I uh, I was a little saddened to hear that some some of the that somebody commented that there was a case or two where people have been disallowed the use and have continued to do it regardless uh, I'd like to know more about that I think there's something wrong there. I can't believe with today's abilities that we can't control whether or not someone's continuing to do something that's not permissible. At any rate, I'll stop my tirade here and turn to the rest of my <coughs> colleagues and see what their thoughts are. Um, George, I've got a question. I mean, obviously uh, the public has a real concern about the impacts on their, on their community. And uh, whenever these applicants come forward, there's obviously going to be hearings related to it. And, and what steps in that process does the community get to weigh in? Because I can understand why you'd want some flexibility as long as the community still has the opportunity to give the input as to what ultimately ends up happening with that particular applicant. What I would tell you is, <clears throat> as we've gone through this process and we've talked about it a lot, let me reiterate. We, we have talked about all of these things at the max. We've talked about these things at the workshop. And what I would tell you is the way the ordinance is proposed now, that you would come in, you would apply for a conditional use permit. You would be subject to environmental review. That environmental review is circulated to the public. Everyone has the ability to comment on that. And we look at those comments and determine if the environmental document is adequate or not before we would ever present it to you. And then um, as a use permit moves forward, then there would be a public notice that the use permit is moving forward to the Planning Commission, that there's a, an attached environmental document, and people would be um, able to come to the hearing and voice their concerns. So they have, they have the option of, of um, commenting on the environmental document, coming to the hearing on the conditional use permit. I would also tell you, because these are conditional use permits, they're required to go to the max prior to ever coming to you for recommendation. So you really have three, the MAC, mm -hmm. Environmental Document, Planning Commission. And what I would tell you is um, 
I understand people's concerns. I understand that this is sort of a new industry and there are some problems with regard to um, some things that are going on. But I believe the best way to address those issues is through a conditional use permit. Or if you want to put hard and fast caps in, understand that you lose flexibility, that you can't address the, the uniqueness of certain situations. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. You just need to direct me to put those caps back in. Well, if we uh, decided uh, to tell you that we did not want to have these event centers being accessed off of uh, private roads, mm -hmm. could they apply for uh, an exception and ask for an exception, or would that be hard and fast that they could not? You, you, can, you, you can always ask for a variance, but it seems like if we are of the expectation that people, because of the uniqueness of the situation, are going to have to ask for a variance to go on a private road, from a staff perspective, it's a very different application than a conditional use permit. A variance is based on findings that say, based on size, shape, or topography, or some other special circumstance, you're warranted granting of dispensation, special dispensation, whereas a conditional use permit requires a finding that says you're consistent with the zoning, you're consistent with the conditional use permit, and you're not endangering the health, safety, or general welfare of surrounding property owners. A conditional use permit is a much, much better vehicle to address these sorts of things. Because the finding is, if you look at a private road and you say, look, you want to have 400 people going up this 12-foot wide road and you don't have the ability to make it wider, you're endangering the health and safety or the peace and morals of the of the neighborhood. You can't do it, and you deny it. Yeah. George, when you're noticing uh, the community <clears throat> on these uh, applications, mm -hmm. how far out do you go? I mean, how many feet, how many? 300 years? feet. That's it? That's what the state law requires. Okay. And it, and it, yeah. and it all is, is also put on our webpage. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure if conditional use permits are published in the paper or is not. That, I have to I check mean, that. That's standard, so you can't go out farther than 300 feet? Because the impl impacts are certainly going to potentially be greater than to the people that are just within 300 feet. And we post a property on site so people who drive by it can see it. And, and you, can, you, you can make a requirement that would require noticing further. But, you know, at what point do you stop? Do you stop at 600? Do you stop at 700? State law says 300. And if you're going to do it for community centers, do you do it for other uses? So I think there's other ways to get out to the public. I mean, I've heard people say, if it's going to be on a private road, you should notice everyone on the private road. Okay, but what about the people across the street that have a private road? Do we go down that private road as well? It's sort of a slippery slope when you get to noticing. I would prefer that my recommendation would be keep it with the state law and work on ways of um, putting it on our web page, that sort of thing. Would you be notifying the max? But yeah, we would for, for, for these because it's a conditional use permit. We would go before the, the uh, municipal area council that's um, for the area before it would come to you, and they would have to take it as an action item. And so that would be a way of getting the word out to the community? Yeah. Right. Okay. George, on, on the access issue, you had thrown out a few scenarios early when you first did your presentation, and I guess the one that 
I sort of latched onto was is if it's a private road and as a condition of approval, if, if they met everything else, that they would have to have a letter, you know, um, agreement, an agreement with all the other owners. And if it meant that the owner said no, then it doesn't move forward. Almost like a will serve letter, whether it's from the water district, from the school district, from the fire department. And then that <laughs> way, if, if the owners on the road said, hey, we really like you, we don't have any problem, and they come to an agreement that way, or they said, okay, it's a 12-foot road, it's gonna be 25-foot, two lanes, and then you're going to have to indemnify us with anybody coming up and down using your parcel, something like that. You know, if that, because I think that would take care of all the problems because everybody that's right. on a private road that doesn't want something there, then <coughs> eliminate it or it would help improve the road or traffic flows, whatever. That, Certainly an option, and I put it out there because some other jurisdictions have used that option. However, if someone is a holdout, there's always a tiebreaker, which is, which is um, a hearing body like the Board of Supervisors or the Planning Commission. I will tell you why out of the three options I gave you, I think that is probably the least beneficial to everyone involved. Because one, you're requiring um, the private property owner to go to all his neighbors and talk to them. Two, you're requiring the neighbors to have to interact with that person individually and it can become very contentious. The third problem that I see with that is if you have eight people on the road, seven think it's a great idea and one does not, does a one person get to stifle the entire project? No, I mean, so. those are the things you have to talk about and if you're okay with that, fine. It's, it's fine if you want to go down that road. But those are the things that I see. Or a neighbor, you come to a neighbor and says, you know, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea, but it's gonna cost you $25,000 for me to get to sign this paper. So you're sort of allowing this leverage to take place where I think it would be more appropriate if everyone came to a public venue, either the MAC or here, and had their say and said, I think it's a bad idea because of this. I think it's a good idea because of this. So my recommendation to you would really be one, either do it through the conditional use permit, or two, don't allow them on shared private accesses. I would go to one, one side or the other. I do not think I would take the middle road. I think it's too many issues. Okay, and yeah, I'd like to make a couple of comments here. Um, we started this process, well, probably before two years ago, but that's when I became aware of it. And I guess, we keep hearing that is the, I'm just speaking about the agri agricultural event centers. I'm reading from the purpose here after they talk about different events. And additionally, this section is intended to protect the agricultural character and long-term agricultural production of agricultural land, which may have on-site agri agricultural event centers. I don't think this ordinance does that. And I'll tell you why. I think the case-by-case basis is okay. I think if you have some standards, you have to meet some kind of minimum standards. And one of the minimum standards, in my opinion, and why I'll, I'm gonna to stick to, is that no shared access roads. It's, it just opened up a can of worms for the county, for the neighbors, as we heard about people, you know, bickering around, they probably already do enough of that. 
um, legal, it, and and also, I, I would I didn't go out and check the county, but I would think that a lot of the major majority of these shared roads end up in small parcels, smaller parcels than maybe the, some of the larger ones that are on the public road. So right away, those little parcels back there that have a two and a half acres, what should they be doing with a ag center anyway? And so I think you eliminate some of that. So I think we need to really zero in on some of these standards. And then I, I agree with George, a case by case, because I've, even if you meet these standards, you still have other issues. But I think the access road is, 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 a, is, a, is a deal breaker for me. And um, I think we need some standards. But we also need to look and see if this ordinance is actually protecting the agricultural uses. And I, I think we're inviting commercial enterprises into agricultural areas, not the other way around. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, and I'm not, I live in Rose, I live in Roseville, so I, I don't know most of these people, in fact, majority of these people, I don't know. The point is, I think we're, when we started out, we're supposed to protect agriculture. I don't think the Agricultural Event Center, as listed here with these conditions and stuff, as it's written, does that. So if we don't want to do that, that's fine. But if we want to do it, then we need to set some standards that really mean it. Anyway, that's my. Okay, well, I have, I have a few comments. Oh, I, was just gonna, I just want to ask Richard a question. So you don't think that the uh, the in the income? Uh, oh, the income that. the income parts. I think I'm I'm agreeing I'm agreeing with those parts okay. of the of the agricultural portions of that, the ones that the. Um, uh, Ag Commissioner talked about today, and it's in our own. I, I believe in those standards. Okay, does that, I mean, isn't that caps, integrated like into this? Caps a unit. You know, right. I mean, so many events, if it's 26, right. that's the hard cap, and then, right. then the flexibility is, is okay, you know, less than that. Is yeah, that that's the outside limit. And right. Yeah, in other it, words. You start there and you work down to what you think reasonable and I think that's a good way to have it yeah because I think that's what everybody's asking for this because if it's if you said 365 you know somebody came in for that and they're doing an ag deal but all of a sudden they're going to have 365 events then they're definitely not doing agriculture George I don't think we can hear you Ken do you have your microphone on yeah yeah gentlemen what I would suggest is I believe all the information is here I really would like to move forward to the Board of Supervisors. So if you would like, I will go over every one of these standards with you. And if you don't think there should be flexibility there, then we'll take it out. Previously, when we've gone through this process, you asked me to put the flexibility in. And I'm fine taking it out, but I really would like to move on today. And I'm happy to go over each one of these with you. And if you'd like it removed, let's remove it. If you want it not to be on a shared access, let's not put it on a shared access. But I really would like to come to a conclusion today and get a recommendation. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to make a few comments before we really get into that. Richard, let's go ahead. Okay, yeah, just a couple points that were just made. Uh, you know, there's a possibility, and, you know, I don't think these things are going to pop up everywhere because of the expense that goes into uh, producing the event center. But uh, basically, if uh, somebody's the first person on a uh, private road, then if, if we make the standard so tight, then they'd have to ask for a variance when basically they're just improving the very first part of the road that they use anyway. And so there could be exceptions out there that 
could be addressed in a condition use permit that, you know, like George says, would require a variance, which would be a very difficult process. Let me see on helping agriculture. Well, I served on the Agricultural Commission for about 15 years. And throughout those 15 years, I kept hearing about the benefits of agritourism and helping to preserve agriculture in this county because there's a concern uh, amongst the agriculturalists and it's not only just the aging up of the people that are in agriculture but the uh, agriculture that we have sometimes is on a margin and in order really to conduct the agriculture on, the, on a lot of parcels people have to go to town to make money to really support the, the agriculture that they're trying to do. And so one thing to think about is uh, there are occasions where these event centers actually could allow somebody to maintain their acreage at uh, a larger size, which really helps with the open space characteristics of the county. So it's a, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. It can work both ways. Let me see. I have a, f a few questions, I guess, to go through. And uh, I guess the first one is when we talked about uh, the Ag Commission, and the wording in here really, I guess, uh, as I read it, would require each one of these in the agricultural event centers, would require each one of them to go before the Ag Commissioner. Is um, that correct, George? It wouldn't, it wouldn't go before the Ag Commissioner. We would go to the, well, not to the Ag Commission. We would solicit the Ag Commissioners. Um, to review it? To review it so he could tell us if they are, in fact, meeting those gross minimums of $1,000 per acre. Okay, and so in that case, then, uh, I'm presuming that if the Ag Commissioner thinks it's just a close call, and if he desired, uh, he could take it to his commission to get advice? Yeah, he could take it to the commission, or um, as it's written now, or as specified by the conditional use permit, they could come before you and explain that commission could actually, ag agricultural commission could actually come before you and say, you know, I think $900 gross per acre in this instance is good because, and then you would decide ultimately whether that was adequate or not. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm really appreciative of seeing that flexibility in there because personally I think the, the $1,000 an acre is a real high bar. And uh, I guess in a high bar it's okay to let somebody know that they have to be a real farmer and not just somebody that's planted a few grapes and thinks that they're a farmer. And I think that's the issue. You want a real farm and a real farmer there. The other question that I have, and of course forestry would be covered by that too, where, you know, they're not going to make a $1,000 an acre a year. You know, they might make that, you know, they may make a bunch in 10 years, but not a year. And then the other question is, in regards to, uh, I, you know, I'm real familiar with the forest hill area. And up there, it's this, the prime soil is almost everywhere. And so if we leave this the way it is, then unless there's somewhere in here there's flexibility, you know, it pretty much eliminates anybody from having uh, an event center in the Forest Hill area and the forested grounds. And I'm talking about the, the forestry zone lands, not the TPZ, but the forestry zone lands. And so somehow, uh, if we could, we need to figure out how to exclude some of those lands. You know, I can see in the west side of the county, uh, there's really not very much prime land when you look at a map. And uh, 
And so it's probably not an issue there but or in the foothills, but uh, when you get higher in the mountains, it is. And that's where the bulk of the prime land is, right? Probably in the Forest Hill area, maybe some above Colfax in that area. So that's an issue that I don't know if I have an answer for. Uh, and you see the resort district mm -hmm. where we have uh, the gentleman that's concerned there. And apparently he's brought this issue up before, and so I'm just looking for what the rationale is, or I don't really have an opinion on it. Um, you know, I will tell you. First off, let me explain. I've heard this twice, that this is my ordinance. It's not my ordinance. It's the county's ordinance. I just happen to be in charge of bringing it forward. But I would tell you in the resort zone district, um, most things require a use permit, either a minor use permit or a conditional use permit. The one thing under the old definition of community center, um, that was the one thing that was allowed as a matter of right. But for instance, um, outdoor commercial recreation, minor use permit, parks, minor use permit, rec and fitness centers, minor use permit, rural recreation, minor use permit, schools, minor use permit, shooting ranges, minor use permit, ski runs, ski facilities, conditional use permit. Most things require use permits in the resort zone. And it is, it is, Mr. Evans' property is unique. It's in a strange sort of area. It's in a rural area. A lot of resort areas tend to be larger pieces of property near an amenity such as rivers, some natural amenity that makes it desirable to have a resort. And normally, the reason most things require a use permit in that area is the same reason there's a lot of use permit required here. There's unique circumstances. You have to address it on a case-by-case -case basis, <coughs> especially on a resort piece of zone property. We don't have a ton of resort zone property. Mr. Evans is somewhat of an anomaly, sort of where he's at. Um, I, I would hesitate predicating a whole ordinance based on a specific issue and not looking at the broader picture. Let me see uh, if, if I can get it in my head this way. You said that most of the things that uh, he would propose would be a change in that property would be a use permit. Lots of them, not yeah. everything. But, uh, but if it, you know, even a, a community center would require a uh, use permit? No, a community center is the one thing under our old definition, which is that broad-based definition. Yeah. That is the one thing that he could do um, as a matter of, of right with zoning clearance, which would mean design review, make sure you have parking, mm. that sort of thing. Okay. So the change for him then would be that he needs now it's going to require a use permit, most of the things that he does on his property, yeah. and it either be a minor or a conditional. It would be a conditional. And the difference, the main difference between the minor and the conditional is not the, uh, you still have to go through the CEQ process, still have to develop conditions. Mm. The major change is the public hearing. The public hearing, minor use permits go before the zoning administrator, and I sit as a zoning administrator. Because of the, the gravity of these situations, it was determined that it's much more appropriate for it to go before the planning commission and not before the zoning administrator. Yeah. So really, the mechanics at the back end, environmental review, that sort of thing, essentially the same. It's just the hearing body that it goes to. Okay. Let me, see, let me move on to another question here. Let me see. Uh, I guess that's 
that's the major ones. If we want to go through these one at a time, that's that's fine at this point. But that's, those are kind of some thoughts that I have. And I guess the main point that it seems that we're missing here is uh, or a, a couple points. You know, if we don't have this ordinance, uh, people are still going to have uh, parties on their property that uh, get out of hand, and some people are going to actually charge for that, and it would be uh, without conditions. And so much more difficult to enforce uh, parties on private land if you don't have conditions. And uh, it basically it's just a sheriff, I think, at that point. And so uh, by, by having this process and the fact that we have provided some flexibility for the development of conditions, I think still uh, once the conditions are set, and that's with public hearings, it's not just the planning department developing conditions. It's for public hearings. And, it, you know, it includes MACs, it includes planning commission. And if there's an appeal, it still would be appealable, and it could involve the supervisors too. And so a condition use permit does provide for uh, a set of conditions that uh, the person that develops the community event center is going to be required to follow. And like... We've said here if they uh, get out of hand and fail to follow those conditions, and they can have their their uh, permit revoked. And that kind of brings up another question that I have here. Uh, so these are based, as wording implies here, on agriculture. And in, in the condition use permit, the uh, applicant is going to have to meet the agricultural requirements. Correct. If an applicant at some point in time decides to uh, get out of the agriculture business and focus on their uh, community center business, then actually uh, that would be cause for the permit to be revoked. Is that correct? I'm not even sure you'd have to revoke it. I think it might actually just be void. Voided? Voided. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they can't just uh, start with agriculture and drop agriculture and have a commercial operation that's not related to agriculture? Absolutely not. The one other thing I, I would like to mention as we go through the winery ordinance update, which is coming to you later this month, one of the things that Mrs. Rubin alluded to is that we are looking at a change in the temporary outdoor event section of the ordinance. Instead of having two events of a duration of a possible duration of three days, what we're going to suggest is that people are allowed to have six one-day events so a lot of, I think, what you see people wanting to do in the Agricultural Zone District will be able to be addressed through the temporary outdoor event um, ordinance if that's changed or not. I think it's just one more thing that gives people, if you want to have like four events a year, let's say you want to have s three weddings in the summer and a harvest festival on either end, you know, a spring festival and harvest festival, you could do that through TOEs, which is a much lesser process so that would be something for your consideration to come forward as as well which may figure into how you view this at this point i don't know if that will be approved or not but that's something that's coming forward okay george if we're going to try to forward this to the board of supervisors today i think we're going to have to zero in on a handful of issues that are resolvable and we'll do i'd like to do straw votes on those individually mm -hmm. so that we can move forward so why don't you present to us well, I think it's these probably handful of issues, and we can do a straw vote, <clears throat> move forward, and do the next one, 
and then we'll have to try to have an overall vote at the end. So why don't we just go through all the performance standards? I think we can do it relatively quickly. So if you go to, um, we'll start at uh, D, developmental operational standards. Where, where, what page are you on? Um, I'm not sure what page you have. Oh, 12. 12. Oh, yeah, I, I got it, yeah. Okay, D1, parking. No controversy there, 2.5 to 1, not as or specified by the use permit. So I think um, that's probably fine unless you want to discuss that any further. I'd make the motion that we accept it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All those in favor? Okay. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. All, all okay there. Okay. Go ahead. Do we have to do a roll call on these? Well, we'll do no, a roll call. Strong, strong. Okay. Yeah. These are just straw votes. Access standards. Um, my suggestion to you would be, because that seems to be the most controversial to me, that we come back and we take that one last because it'll probably have the most discussion. Why don't we run through all the other pertinent issues and come back to that one last? Okay. Um, minimum parcel size. There's no or specified by a use permit. It's 10, 20, and 40 for small, medium, and large agricultural event centers. No controversy there. The issues, whether it's a viable agricultural operation, more so than the size of the parcel. Yeah, I understand that, and we're coming to that. I'm just okay. running through all the performance standards. <clears throat> I'd make the motion to accept that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So three is okay. Setbacks. Haven't heard any contra, uh, controversy on that, mm -hmm. although it is as specified by the conditional use permit. Right now it's 200 feet from the exterior property line or as specified by the conditional use permit. So the question really make there the is, yeah. do you want it to be a hard and fast rule or do you want it to be as specified by the use permit? Use permit. Use permit. Are you guys going to vote on that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Use permit, okay. Yeah. 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 It looks okay. 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 Size, event size. Event size. This is another one that would be controversial. Smallville Agricultural Event Center was a maximum of 100. Intermediate was 200. Large was 400. I um, added, based on the previous direction that I had, that uh, you would want flexibility with regard to that through the conditional use permit. For instance, and there are some real-world scenarios out there, there are going to be pieces that are 10 acres that probably can support substantially more than 100 people. However, there may be 10-acre pieces that can't support 100 people. If you want a hard and fast cap, that's fine. Or if you'd like flexibility, you need to leave the conditional use permit requirement in. So really, again, you need to take a vote on that. I'd make the motion. What? I would say motion on what? That we accept it. As is. As, so, is. as is. Okay. okay. I, I'd like to have it changed, actually. I'd like to that. Uh... No, that's okay. Let it go that way. Yeah. Okay. I think everyone agrees that as it is is okay. Okay. Goes with acres. Moving on. Number of events. This is another controversial item. So, um, all ag and it's the agricultural event center, community center, commercial event center, different animal. Agricultural event centers shall be a maximum of 26 events per year or specified by the conditional use permit. Now, I've heard today you can make it a straight cap, 26 events per year. You can make it 26 events or less, or you could simply review it based on its merits and make it 26 events or specified by the conditional use permit. It can be more, can it? It could be more if you chose to make it more. 
I mean, the conditional use permit could make it more than this cap? That's what this says. Well, I'd be against that then. I want it revised. I want it, I yeah. mean, that's the way I would. So you want a 26 or less? I want a hard line. 26 or less, for sure. I, I want a hard line. Okay, I, I, I need a vote because I have to go forward and I have to, I have to know. Right. So you guys need to do an up and down vote on these things. Yeah, I, uh, so I'd like to make, a, make the comment that, uh, you know, I could go with 26 or less. That seems, that's been published quite a bit. I think uh, I would have a problem with the hard line on this because uh, is it your hard line 26 or a different number? The hard line's 26. Hard line. Max. Maximum? Maximum. So, oh, okay, so that's 26 or less. Yes. Right, 26 or less. So the condition use permit still could uh, it, go It won't less. allow more than 26. won't allow more than 26. Unless you had a variance. <laughs> yeah, you could apply for a variance. <laughs> That'd be another whole process, which would probably be very controversial anyway. So, uh, Yeah, I'm satisfied with the 26 is, is an upper take, limit. Take out the, or as. 26 events or less. Or less. Is that, can, right. can you guys make a motion and take a vote? Really, because I have to go forward to the board and I need to know. Okay, will someone yeah. move that? Uh, yeah. I'll certainly make the motion that uh, we make a, a 26 absolute cap on the events that can happen per year at the event centers. So that's 26 or less? It's going to be 26 or less. less. Okay. okay. Is no there, more. Is there a second? Yeah. Second. Oh. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. okay. That's unanimous. That's okay. Okay. Um, the agricultural re requirement was the $1,000 per gross acre um, or as specified by the use permit, but no agricultural use would need to have uh, $40,000 um, in gross agricultural production. So are you okay with that? Or as specified by the use permit is what it says. Um, are you okay with that? Or do you just want it to be those are the caps? You need a thousand, and no more than forty thousand. Yeah, I'm, I'm still struggling with a thousand per acre, but uh, I think at this point, you know, I'm okay with that. Particularly with the ag commissioner having the ability to uh, look at uh, an operation that that uh, is is less than a thousand per acre. But, but or as specified, the conditional use permit it can be. Less, right? It can be less. Well, I don't. I don't. I think we need to. We need to have something here that people, when they buy their land or they own their land, they know they have to meet some kind of. Mentioning somebody had forty acres could only raise four cows. Well, or cattle. Well, maybe that's not the right use for that land. And if you're going to meet this kind of standard, so you didn't have some kind of standard, or else you're going to have a conditional use permit to come up here and say, well, we only think we can do do ten 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 dollars an acre. I guess my, my argument there is uh, here we can approve it or not, but still, yeah. why why have all these things come up when we can at least set some kind of a standard? Well, it, you know, if if a forty acre parcel is only going to uh, produce four thousand, huh? He shouldn't be doing it in the first place. That's right. Well, you know, some agricultural operations, uh, you know, they may use a. Their acreage is a winter range, and they move their cattle to the mountains mm -hmm. in the summertime. Or maybe uh, if somebody can put in a, can keep their cattle operation and put in a community center or have a few weddings, then uh, it makes it possible for them to keep their 40 acres or their 100 acres or whatever they do own 
And so, at any rate, I'm okay with this because the Ag Commissioner can uh, take a look at it and listen to uh, their operation and and make a judgment. But I think to uh, try and make this a hard standard on all agriculture, uh, there's a lot of difference between the various agricultural crops and how they're managed. So, but I think you'd be you'd be putting a lot of cadence in the Ag Commission's response. I think that would be pretty important. Well, I would, yeah. Um, yeah, so you're, yeah. So you're saying just sort of put a line in there, you know, or as per Ag Commissioner, uh, the county yeah. recommendation. And I think that's in there where the, it's verified. It's, 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 it's not, not, so yeah. I think that's okay. No, so. but I mean, I, I left ultimately what you're, def what you're doing is you would be deferring ultimate discretion to the Ag Commissioner, which I would, I would recommend against. I would recommend that you retain that ability, that you can entertain his recommendation and you can make, as a planning commission, decide to follow his recommendation on a regular basis, but I don't think it's appropriate for you to relegate that authority to the Ag Commission. Matter of fact, I'm not sure it's even legal. Yeah, it's not I, legal. I agree with what you're saying there personally, that, uh, so, so and that puts an extra burden on the Ag Commissioner that they don't want, I think, probably so. Yeah, we make our own decision. Right. But it yeah. just says the Ag verifies the production, right. and that's okay. Yeah. My, my assumption is every time that one of these comes in, we will send it to the Ag Commissioner, and we will ask him to give us a written recommendation that says they make $1,000 gross per acre, or they make 40000 in gross, gross agricultural production a year. And then that will be delivered to you as part of the part of the process, and you will make a decision based on that. Or now, what about the otherwise proposed? You know, somebody wants to come in and they say, I can't make this, so I can't have one of these? Okay, well, that's the way it's written now that says, or as specified by the conditional use permit. It gives you the ability to vary it upward or downward. If you don't, if you want it to be a hard and fast $1,000 an acre, gross per acre, no more than 40000 all we have to do is take out the conditional use permit. So, again, it's going to be an up and down vote. Someone needs to make a motion. I, I, I would make a motion. Just make a motion. I would make a motion. Like leave it is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Have, in made the motion. I'll second it. We have no. Motion. No. But okay. We have one no. One no. Then on this one. Yeah. On yeah. Well, seven. Definitely yes. Yeah. If, uh, did we get the rest of everybody's? Richard, did you yeah. say yes? I said no. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. I said yes. I wanted it out. Oh, you're oh you're talking to the other Richard. No, Mr. Nader was sure. talking to the other Richard. Yeah, Mr. Seven, Mr. Sevenson. So just for clarification, Commissioner Sevenson, or as or as con, or Commissioner Sevenson, Commissioner Sevenson. Yes. Can I just make a suggestion that maybe you just do roll call? Okay. All right. Well, maybe clarification, Rich. What was your problem with? The, well, I think we have. We have to have some kind of agricultural production on that. Say, as specified the conditional use permit, you could say that they only could have to have twenty dollars a deal. You can lower that. I want to, I want to, I want some some teeth into that portion of it. Okay. So well, to, I think that's some agriculture. So so that, that's you're saying a thousand max. No, a thousand minimum. A minimum. I mean, nothing yeah, less. Because you could reduce it under the conditional use permit. And I say no, I don't want that. But everybody else does, so that's uh, fine. I would still suggest a roll call. Okay, roll call. We had a motion in a second. Roll call. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, so okay. 7A. Hours of operation in. Well, just a minute, I have one more. Wait a minute. I'd like. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. On the second one, yeah, regarding yeah. the prime soils. Yeah. And I think we need to have the same condition use permit uh, flexibility in that. That that's fine. I just need I I need you to give me direction. And I think you need to take an up or down vote on it again. You need to give me what now? I I need I need direction since since what I'm hoping for is we come to a final conclusion and we send this forward with a recommendation from you to the board of supervisors. I think if we're going to change anything in this ordinance, you should make a motion and you should take an up or down vote on it. Okay. Well, we need to put or as specified uh, in the special use permit. Yeah, or specified by the use permit. I can do that, okay. but I would suggest that you. You make that motion and, okay. and vote. That's in yeah. B as well? That's B. Yeah. B. Do you want to make that motion, B. Richard? Yeah, I make that motion as specified, but or as specified. Yeah. Roll call. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Passes. Eight, hours of operation. No issues there. It's not specified by the use permit, hard standard. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Friday and Saturday, and then from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Sunday through Thursday. Noise regulations, no standards. Lightings, no standards. Um, so we're back to the probably the, the most difficult issue that we have, access. So it really, I think, boils down to two issues. Are these going to be allowed on shared private accesses with discretion? through the conditional use permit process, or do you not want to allow them private access? Excuse me. And your option three was no access on private roads. Yeah, I, I thought what I heard is that there's still the, the middle option about getting a signed agreement, but there's two, two other options would be, you simply look at everything on a case-by-case -case basis, whether it's shared or whether it goes out on a um, county-maintained or publicly-maintained road and, and look at it in the context of the use permit and condition it appropriately. Or you set the standard that simply says agricultural event centers are not allowed to access a public right-of-way via a shared private access. Then I'd like to make a motion that we accept th uh, option three, which is no access on private Okay. Public yeah, I'd like to express second. some. Oh, sec. Okay. Well, we've got a I'd like to express some reservation here. Okay, you're moving that there's right, and no access on private roads. Correct. So and I second it because I, and the reason that I uh, feel very strongly about that is that what comments were made today, but that the max all came out pretty strongly, most of them against having these off of uh, private roads. And so I think it's important that we listen to the community's uh, input on this. And uh, so I, I, again, feel strongly that just but, it just does not make sense to me. But if that's a hard and fast condition and say, I had a piece of property, there were three owners, two had five acres in front of me and I had 55 acres behind them. Right. And I went to them and, you know, talked to them and everything and then made an agreement with them, basically if it's hard and fast, then I can't come forward with it and it just basically well, kills me. Because well, I know, a, yeah, and I know there was a comment made out there that, well, usually the farther back, the smaller the acreage. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that's not the case. A lot of times that's the only access unless you know, some kind of well, for public roads. Under the question, maybe I can just clarify that. 
there still is, well, I recommended against it, there still is a variance process. And this, sorry, I didn't, don't mean to slap my mic. And in the scenario that you just described, that might warrant special circumstances and dispensation to allow them. If, the, if you know you have a, the 55-acre guy requests a variance, his neighbor in front shows up and says, hey, he's my friend. We've come to an amicable agreement about how this is going to work. I'm supporting the variance. I do not have a problem with him accessing through here. He's agreed to do X, Y, and Z. Then, as part of the entire package, that variance would come forward to you, and you could choose to approve it or not approve it. So there is that option if you do not want to um, have the... Uh, if you want to have a hard and fast rule that says not on shared private access. Okay. It's, it's, I will tell you, it will be something, in my opinion, that you will address every time one of these comes forward. There will be an issue about, about the access, and you have this hard and fast rule. So I don't have a problem with that, yeah. because I think then it gives us the opportunity to have a voice in the mm -hmm. community about that issue. Okay. Hey, Richard, you know? Yeah, just, uh, maybe just a thought. Um, I know last time when we talked about this, we recognized that the winery ordinance is, is a distinct process. Okay. But uh, I think if we make it hard and fast, that uh, it'll be difficult to come up with a rationale in the winery ordinance to not make it hard and fast. So if we vote for hard and fast today, we're probably at least symbolically voting it in the winery ordinance too. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, one thing I would say, when you phrase the, the, it just occurred to me when I was talking to county council, if you don't want to allow them on shared private accesses, my suggestion would be that you don't phrase it that way, that you phrase it that agricultural event centers must be accessed directly onto a publicly maintained roadway. Because we don't want to get into the definition of what a shared right, right. private access that's is. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. No, I don't. That kills that. That would actually kill any other options if there was one. I mean, if you had a person at the first part of your road that you could hold you up and you couldn't do anything. Right. I mean, that that is that is the issue, and I, and I, you know, it's something that collectively as a hearing body you have to come to grips with. When you put this hard and fast standard in, you will be telling some people that having an agricultural event center is not viable. That's okay. I just need to know what your thought is on it so I can accurately represent that to the board. Um, so you, I think you need to make a motion. Okay. You need to take Somebody a vote. make a motion then as to what they. I think I did. Well, well, no. well you it wants to be. But right. I would need to restate it again then for me. Well, uh, that the event centers or community centers would only be allowed uh, to have access off of a public road, off a publicly maintained right of way. Correct. Right. Second. Okay. You have a motion and a second. second. Roll call, please. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Motion fails. Okay. Um. So, 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 gentlemen, the motion failed. So now I would ask that you consider another motion that I could bring forward to the Board of Supervisors, whatever that may be. Why don't you take a run at it? If you, they have to have consent, you know, I guess it's 
somewhat close to what they have here. Well, well it sounds like if it came before us that they'd, they'd have to have consent any, you know, with that, with their neighbors. So you're you're moving that the that access be by consent of the neighbors on that access road. Is that, that, that that's what I would? But that's a that's a possibility because I I know and I I hear a lot of you know dissent out there while well, mm -hmm. we can you know access it through their own property. The problem is if it's a landlocked parcel, they and it's a private road. And they have the parcel back, you know, in the back of the property and stuff. It's I, I would suggest that you don't entertain any more public comment at this point. So um, yes, you can make that. You should make the suggestion if you want everyone to have to consent who has access. I wouldn't say who has access on the private road. I would say people who have access and own property that are, is accessed by that private road because there are other people who can come up and down that road, PCWA, NID, PG&E. You don't want to necessarily have to have them authorize an event center. It really is property owners who have access directly onto that private shared access would have to give consent if that's what you would like to do. Would it, would it be more clear, yeah. Yeah. George says uh, folks who have access rights the only my only on concern property. is if NID and PCWA and PG&E have access rights but no property, they would have to go and get PCWA and NID to agree to allow an event center. Or property owners with access rights. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it needs to be property owners who have access rights. So if it's NID who just drives up and down this road to access a canal, you don't need their approval to have an access center, access, uh, access on the road. If NID owns property or PG&E owns property, then you would have to get consent from them to have okay. um, uh, use the shared private roadway for an agricultural event center. Okay, we have a motion. I just wanted to ask, you know, you, you had the scenario earlier where uh, if you had one person on the road that uh, held out, then it would hold up the whole process. If that's the case, what would a person do? Would they be just done at that point? I'm sorry. Hmm? Uh, even, even if you, one person was a holdout, yeah, I think at that point they would come before you, and if they chose to move forward, and they'd have to ask for a variance, and it, in my mind, it's not a great vehicle to deal with that. I mean, a variance is based on size, shape, or topography and special circumstances, and we have an ordinance that says you need to sign consent. I cannot think of what a special circumstance would be that would warrant you to grant a variance for that. I can't think about that. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I can think about it. I can't come up with a viable answer just to what that would be. Yeah. Right. I can't come up with a justification. <laughs> so it, it's, I think that my response to you is if one person is a holdout, then they don't get to do an agricultural event center. That's, you could have 19 people who said yes and one that said no. That's just the yep. way it is. Yeah. is. Are you okay with that then? Hmm? As far as making a second? Being, or did somebody make a motion that we yeah. approve that concept? Approve, approve what concept? The one that he just outlined. The, okay. Yeah. 
Well, just be clear, okay. Because it gives. You know, I'm on the fence on this. So you make a second already or not? So, gentlemen, I'm, I'm confused. What motion have you made? Is there a motion on the floor? Yeah, yes. That, that with the landowners that use the shared road. Okay. Let, if you if you want to go with that, let me. I think I have some verbiage. Um, written permission by each property owner having access rights to to the road. I'm going to let Karen read it. She wrote it, and I can't read her writing. I'm going to let her. I'm going to let her read it. Typical lawyer. Yeah. Here's a suggestion. Uh, this is 2C. If a commercial center, a community center, commercial event center, an ag event center are accessed by a private road, the applicant shall provide written permission by each property owner having access rights to that road at the time of application and as verified by the engineering and surveying division. I, I would only have one caveat on that on C. I would not include community center or commercial event center. Yeah. In that, I would just have that apply to agricultural event centers. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about community centers. We're not talking okay. about commercial event centers. Yeah. We're okay. talking about agricultural event centers. Yeah. And that's your motion, then? That's my motion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead. Still have a little reservation, but I'll go ahead and say. Uh, you know, I have reservations because one person can hold it up, but I think it em empowers the neighbors but it gives the opportunity for somebody that wants to put one together is really going to have to negotiate his homework and yeah well i think it will for, good force cooperation among various property owners ahead of time so that you somehow get consent and it doesn't become blindsided yeah oftentimes i can see the scenario where uh, the person at the end of the road who wants an event center actually if, is going to have to build a pretty solid road to uh meet the standards yeah could be, and it yeah. could be uh, the people along that road are going to benefit quite a bit by uh, it could be have a good road benefit for fire and emergency vehicles as well huh? right okay roll call please i still prefer my motion better so i'm going to say no yes no yes yes so we have a three to two okay well that that concludes then the Straw vote, isn't it? Yeah, it does. We've gone through all the standards. I understand what you'd like, especially with access, that if you're on a shared private access, you will need consent of the, of, of the property owners who have access rights to that and own property. I, I do want to deal with the other sensitive issue um, uh, because it's not addressed in this, is code enforcement. Mm. really need a better definition of what's going to go forward on that. Uh, I know you're saying that there's, you're thinking there's a, a kind of conceptual plan of that. Well, what I would tell you is, and, and this would be my recommendation to you, is the code enforcement process is already codified. Yeah. We already have a code enforcement process. It's really not, it's really not a function of regulating it through an ordinance. It's really a function of making the board understand that we need more, more personnel. And they've already understood they they already understand that they're giving us another code enforcement officer with with the um, understanding that we will have code enforcement officers on call at first and if that doesn't work then they want a code enforcement officer to actually work alternative work schedules which means his alternative work schedule would actually be on the weekends and later into the night 
So as we move along, I don't, I don't think it's a regulatory issue. I think it's more of providing more personnel so we can get out there. And I think the board has shown a willingness to do that. I think right now, based on just coming out of the economic slowdown, what they can do is one now, and I think you'll see more in the future. Is there anything that we as a commission can state with regards to enforcement that would help that effort? If, I think you could, you could definitely direct me to bring forward the, um, the concerns that you absolutely expect that there will be active code enforcement <laughs> with regard to agricultural event centers and that we will do it expeditiously. Especially on weekends. I think that could be a footnote on our recommendation to move this forward to them. Is, in other words, we've done this in the past where we've recommended, say, this package with a footnote that we really strongly feel that, that enforcement is a key issue in, the, in, in administering this new ordinance. Yeah, and that appropriate staffing needs to be in place and that weekends need to be uh, assured that there's access to someone on the weekend. So uh, at least that's my view. I, don't I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you okay, can definitely. We, we, we can we, add that at the end uh, after we've voted on the yeah. package uh, and then we can have a vote on how important admit, uh, enforcement is. Is there someone that would care to offer a motion on the whole package? Yeah, I, I would make a motion that we move the package forward to the Board of Supervisors. Um, as amended. Huh? As amended. And I, I would also just like to add that you're making a recommendation on the board to adopt the uh, revised negative declaration as well mm -hmm. and that um, I would like to put in the public record that we did receive some comments we did look at those comments and we we have determined that the revised uh, negative declaration addresses those issues so I just want to put that in the public record but you okay. need to you need to include um, recommend that they adopt the revised mitigated uh, revised negative declaration as well Okay, I, I put that in that we. That's part of the motion. Yeah, as part of the motion, adopt the negative declaration, you know, as revised. <clears throat> okay, is there a second? Second it. We have a second. Let's have a roll call then. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Motion passes four to one, if I kept score right. And with that, uh, I, I don't know. This is a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors, so I won't tell anybody about appeal rights because it's automatically you have an opportunity to go to the Board of Supervisors and further state your case if you choose to. I would also like uh, a footnote and I don't know that we need a motion to do this. I think there's probably consensus to send a footnote to the board that we unanimously are concerned about uh, code enforcement on this issue and that they consider that as a paramount part of this project. Uh, I can do that. I understand. I will put that in the staff report. Is there anything else to be brought before the commission today? No. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you all for your comments. We appreciate your time and your effort to be heard. <laughs>